On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're investigating some peculiar goings-on in a remote island community in Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass on Netflix. Finally getting to talk about the second season of The Morning Show, which began on Apple TV Plus on Friday, and heading back into the apocalypse for Star's adaptation of iconic comic Why the Last Man, the creator and star of which, Eliza Clark and Ashley Romans, also join us on this very show later on to talk living in a world without men. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast and welcome to our actual studio. It has been a really long, lonely 18 months, but we are back in the office in the flesh this week. And as I sit here in the studio, which I do behold with my own mortal eyes, two actual humans sitting across the desk from me, human beings who look alarmingly like Beth Webb and Boyd Hilton. How the devil are you? Hello. I'm freaked out by you. Like, you've turned into some kind of like radio <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Like, your magic I think I've got a bit low. Hey, listen, we're welcome in the studio. We've got, you've gone fucking, I've got a bit bonkers. I've got a bit smashy and nicey, haven't you've I? have got a bit smashy and nicey. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you did have some sweets. You, as we, listeners, as we gathered for this podcast, before we came down to the studio, James literally threw a load of sweets into his mouth yep. and went, yeah, now I'm ready. And now he's gone ballistically, am, like, hopped up. I on, am ripped to the tits on yeah. jelly beans and blackjacks yeah. right now. It's I can't really lie. quite scary. Yeah. And it's just uh, weird you're sitting opposite me. It is weird. It's just I just think it's uncalled for. Let's let's just dish this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, let's just go back. We should never yeah. be in the same room together. Yeah, it's, it's not a good idea. Don't they do that in like sort of like certain films? I'm sure there's something that I can't think of where if you're a high value target, it's like never be in the same place at the same time because they could take us all yeah. out at once. Yeah. Of course. So if anyone wanted to derail the pilot TV podcast, I'm not saying Chris Hewitt, but if anyone did, <laughs> they all they had to do is just yeah. like lock this room and set fire to it, and yeah. that'd be it. Uh, We'd be fucked. Completely. Be done. Yeah. Whereas like before. Like we were like separate places around the country. Yeah, and like the vice bunkers. president and the president have to be kept apart. That's right. Yeah when, yeah. when the attack happens. So when the aliens so, attack. Oh my god, where yeah. is this going? Let's 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 hope <laughs> no one no one comes for us while we're while we're doing this particular show. Yes. But it's nice to be in the same room and not have that weird sort of lag thing. Which like oh no oh no you, you know that thing when when two people meet each other on the, on the street and one goes left the other one goes right and then yeah. the other, and they go and it's like oh, what's, we should be on the stage you know it's a bit like that on yeah. Riverside which we used to record remotely where you end up talking together and then both stopping and then both starting and oh the is this fun your we have. White, desperate way of trying to justify the fact that we're doing it in person and you, you like Beth has had to come yes. in from her home yeah Trek far and wide. I don't know where you live, but you know. Walthamstow, but sure, yeah. yeah. Oh, Walthamstow yeah. was miles away. From the wilds <laughs> of You forced Beth to, presumably you had to get public transport, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. God yeah, forbid, not public transport. Yeah. You know, she could get COVID and it's all your fault. She could get Ooh, COVID. Your your fault. Fault. Yeah. And then yeah. she'd be in isolation, then we'd be back on Riverside again. Yeah, your justification right. for that is that sometimes mm. we talk over each other on Riverside. That's I mean, right. I don't <laughs> think that's enough. Yeah. we You've had to leave your glass tower with your 15, 75-inch TVs where you just had this constant feed of shows going yeah. in. I am resentful of that. Nothing to do. It's not your fault. But I'm resentful of having to leave my, my glass tower. Yeah. Well, there's a part of me that I'm quite excited about this because as I edit this, there'll be no more of like Boyd's hissing pipes. There'll be no true. more of like, you know, <laughs> Beth's crazy fan on her laptop, oh like constantly God. sounds like someone's like hoovering your room 24-7. Uh, you know, it should just be perfect, perfect crystal clear audio. All the way through. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be, going to be absolute heaven for me. I can't well, wait. That, that's the main thing. That is. Yeah, that, that is. is the main Heavenly thing. Heavenly audio for James. Uh, it, Heavenly audio. Ambition. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So, so 
I would like to head straight into what we've been watching. But before we get into what we have been watching, I want to talk about specifically what Beth will be watching. Yeah. So let's talk Star Trek for Beth, which I think we can all agree was trending quite dramatically on Twitter recently. Um, we've had a few people kicking with some ideas. Now, I deliberately didn't read these before the show, uh, and that was a strategy and in no way to be confused with the fact that I'm utterly ill-prepared for this week's show. I haven't finished the script and don't really know what I'm doing. So let's have a look at what people said. Uh, Beth, if you do not remember or were not listening, uh, has volunteered to watch a Star Trek. Now, just to put this in context, Beth, have you ever watched a Star Trek, any Star Trek? What is your Trekness? No, completely. Coming into this completely fresh, aside from catching maybe a few minutes of this. God, it's just coming to me as I'm talking about it. On terrestrial telly when I was young, catching some of a very old episode where some sort of creatures were coming off the walls and landing on people's faces and I was so terrified that my parents had to turn it off and I haven't watched it since um, which is my commitment to the pilot TV audience that I will go back to this deep dark place I have no idea what, what that is what kind of creatures what it, the creatures it, it was like? like from what I remember it was like big rashes of bacon <laughs> Wow! So big, well, this is like you know on um, an like... arrival film podcast that I won't mention. <laughs> they do this new feature called WTF. What's the film where they try yeah. and work out what film was from a description like that from someone who doesn't yeah. really remember? WTST. What's right. the Star Trek? Thank you. What's the Star and Trek? And it's the one where rashes of bacon, rashes of bacon fall off the fall wall off the onto wall people's faces. It's just been a really faces. bad dream. I'm not going to lie. Like... It sounds more like Monty Python than Star Trek. <laughs> it sounds like the original. Do you think it's original Star oh, Trek? It was definitely. It sounds. It was definitely really old. Like Shatner, yeah. talking Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and all that. Yeah, I might message my dad because my dad has one of those encyclopedic memories where he'll probably be able to tell me where it was and where I was watching it and what it was right. But it, it was right. like... The rashes of bacon. Rashes yes, of bacon. the rashes of bacon from season three. That was the yeah. name of the episode. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> the trouble with rashes of bacon. It's not tribbles. Tribbles are these They're furry, the furry ones. Things. Yeah. No. They were on the wall and kind of... No. Definitely no. bacon. No, definitely bacon. <laughs> definitely bacon. Yeah. Like a, it feels like a veggie vegan nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Attacked by rashes of bacon. I don't know And they I would like land on their faces. I'm sure um, it wasn't a spoof of Star Trek on Saturday Night Live or something. Definitely, oh, okay. definitely. We were we were a four channel family when we were growing up, right. so it would have definitely right. been a rerun. Yeah, from okay. And and so just to be clear, you've not watched any of the films. This is what you're telling us. Oh, I've watched the J.J. Abrams films. Right, fine. So you've okay. seen you've seen three, two. Okay, so you saw two. Star Trek, you saw Into Darkness, you didn't watch Beyond. No, and you've not you've not seen the Voyage Home with the whales. No. Okay. No. Did you, you grow are, up like under a? Bridge or something. Like, well, how did I'm this work? Bridge. Do they not have Star Trek in Swindon? Like, well, what was happening? Most I'm very confused. People haven't watched Star Trek films. Don't be James. ridiculous, boy D. Oh, everyone has seen a Star Trek, <laughs> even if it's a... just The Voyage Home, which I'm sure plays every weekend on like BBC Two. Not everyone is a total nerd. I mean, <laughs> you know, some people. Yeah, but have... Voyage Home has crossover appeal. Yeah, it's got whales. Well, I would say the JJ Abrams are the ones that do have crossover appeal because they were big blockbuster releases. They were, in the year, mm. so yeah. that yeah. makes sense that you've seen those ones, but yeah. not yeah. Films from the spun off from the original Star Trek. Oh yeah, are not yeah. of that much general That's appeal. That's pretty nerdy to, stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting. Even Wrath of Khan is quite niche, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you. All right, fine, fine, fine. So we, we've laid the baseline. Beth doesn't know what the fuck's going on. That's, that's where we are. So, so the question is, what's Beth going to watch? So good old Liam, ever reliable from the Spocklight podcast, uh, suggested that uh, one of ours, boy, because we've both been on Spocklight, yeah. and you picked uh, Sick on the Edge of Forever, Forever and yeah. I picked Chain of Command, the yeah. two-parter, yeah. which has a lot of torture in it. Um, I'm saying... <laughs> I that might appeal to... Yeah. 
I'm not going to inflict chain of command on Beth. I don't think that would be right. I don't think because yeah. she should just come into the next week's podcast and be like, "Hey Beth, how are you?" And she'd be like, "There are four lights," and it'd be like, "Okay, all right, calm down. You just sit quietly and have a glass of water." So I think I don't think we want to do that to her. I right. think let's let's leave that. Sitting on the edge of forever is an option, but of course it is from the original series, so we don't want to do that. Um, sorry, Boyd. It's all right. I mean, you're talking bullshit, but it's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Now, interestingly, interesting, a few people did think disco, which isn't what it sounds now, like. Now, listen yeah. to me. So imagine my disdain when I realised that disco is short for... Discovery. Discovery. Yeah, yeah. And not like a fun camp holiday <laughs> spin-off. It's it? such yeah. a shame. So now, she's, she suggested Discovery Series 1, Episode 1. Right. Which is a good shout. It's very cinematic. A lot of it is in Klingon with English subtitles, though. So that's just something to bear in mind. It's something to bear in mind. Test me. So, but she's not wrong. Now, her, her point here is that random Next Generation eps are not really going to work. And Voyager, maybe, maybe not. These first times are a bit dark. Picard's very character-led. And I think if you don't have the affection for those characters, maybe Picard isn't going to work for you. So, so okay, let's keep that on the back burner. Discovery, the pilot of Discovery. That, that's on the table. It's there. Okay, let's, let's look on. Uh, Rachel has said, may I suggest Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 2? 12 because one James never talks about Voyager <laughs> and he needs some love and two Janeway fights a macro virus which is very comforting for obvious reasons this is macrocosm and it is when a macro viral life form seizes Voyager uh, and the doctor has to go on his first mission so there's stuff there. doctor's quite fun you like the doctor Robert Picardo who you may remember from Inner Space uh, as the cowboy but uh, he's, uh, he's he's very good in that but I'm, I'm not feeling it I don't think I feel if your first experience of Star Trek is Voyager we've lost you for Forever. Right. Because okay. you know, Voyager is not great. I'm not going to put you on Enterprise for the same reason. Like that's that, it's that's just a bad words. Idea. It's just a, just okay. a string yeah. of words. Okay. No one needs to see a Kazon. Is what I'm saying, right. Beth. Like yeah, you see word. the Kazon, that's going to put you word. off. So let's just leave that. Right. Okay. So we have another one here. James in Sydney says, uh, "I don't think this venture will result in Beth becoming an avid watcher." With that in mind, I go with a heartfelt standalone. Next generation. He's saying drumhead, inner light, tapestry. Now. All three of those are excellent choices and regularly turn right. up on best of Star Trek list. Drumhead, of course, is being it's a sort of a trumped up trial one, this is kangaroo court type thing. What? So, what? What? <laughs> no, it's not. What? Okay. Actually, it's not a kangaroo in a court. Like, let's be honest. So Star Trek's stupid. This it's not is a that really stupid. misleading I know. show. I'm sorry. This I'm is sorry. so misleading. Sorry. I want a disco kangaroo court Star <laughs> Trek standalone. <laughs> and I want it right now. With rashes of bacon. With rashes of bacon flying attacking. off the walls. No, so this is all about spying. Like, there's a Klingon who confesses to a crime and it starts a whole sort of witch hunt for conspiracy. And Picard does a brilliant speech. It's a kind of a courtroom drama, but it's great. That's a really good one. Um, in a light, in a light, oh, see, I don't want to talk about it. Like, that, that I think is possibly one that I might give you. So I want to talk about the plot of Inner Light. It involves a whistle. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my God, involves what are you a doing to me? Tapestry is a good shout, but I kind of feel if you don't know Q and you don't know Picard, it's not going to really matter seeing Jean-Luc live his life all over again. So I think maybe not Yeah, don't tapestry. pick one that involves having extensive knowledge of the yeah, whole... Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I think maybe you need a little bit to be more invested in the characters for that one. Uh, they've also suggested DS9, The Visitor, or Far Beyond the Stars. Both very good. DS9 being my favourite Star Trek. So that's... Uh, that, that's one I def desperately wish to inflict on you, but I'm not sure is the place to begin. Right. Uh, Al896B, that's quite the handle there, Al, uh, has said yesterday's Enterprise. That's a good one. As a, as a sort of a slice of it, that's very good. But again, I feel like because it lapses quite early into alternate timeline mm, stuff, I think yeah. if you're not 
yeah. familiar with the 24th century as we know no. and love it in Star Trek <laughs> Next Generation, yeah, I no. feel that the, seeing the change there isn't really going to... And you need to know a little bit more about Guinan's character, which you won't know. So I'm going to rule out yesterday's Enterprise. Sorry, Al896B. Ian Robertson has thrown in, again, DS9's The Visitor, Voyager's Bride of Chaotica. Honestly, Ian, why? Why, <laughs> why would you ever suggest Bride of Chaotica? It's like that's when Star Trek turns into like a 1950s sci-fi serial. And again... A hard pass on that one. Uh, inner Light, Next Generation's Inner Light, he's suggesting as well. And then original series, City on the Edge of Forever. And he said, oh, and he said Lower Decks, which you're really missing out on, James. Am I though? No. I really don't think I am. Um, okay, okay. So let's let's say, I'm so tired. based on these, we're going to go, yeah, we've got three options here, which I'm saying. We've got original series, City on the Edge of Forever, which I'm saying is Boyd's pick yep. for what okay. you should do. We've also got, in contention here, the pilot of Discovery which is very modern very cinematic very action packed a lot of stuff going on there I don't think it really requires a lot of knowledge if any it's so, a little good character stuff in it it's got Sonequa Martin Green in it like you know it's yeah it kicks off so, that's great yes yes I mean I have issues with Discovery's characterisation that said I think that particular first episode does not have that problem it's got Michelle Yeoh in it being very very cool oh sick uh, yeah so that's really okay, good okay, okay okay or there's the inner light now the inner light is a very special kind of episode of Next Generation okay. it's I can't give away anything because in case that's the one we go with, but it should be one of those three, I think. But what one shall it be? That's the question. I'm going to say, I'm going to say for this one, I wonder whether it would be most interesting to give you the inner light. Can I just make the point that um, Joan Collins is in City on the Edge of Forever? See, and then Boyd comes in. Yeah. And then Boyd comes in. After yeah. you've exhausted yourself yeah. with like a 10 minute exactly. thing, Boyd comes in with Joan yeah. Collins. Just throw it in there. Okay, I'm going to say we're not going to agree. So I'm going to say just for the hell of it, I'm going to I'm going to give I'm doubling your homework. You're going to have to watch oh two episodes. God, that's like two episodes of Star Trek do you know from what? I'll completely do it. I'll different do it. eras, and okay. I'm going to let you choose two out of these three. So City on the Edge of Forever, which you've said, Joan Collins, you want that? Yeah, right. Yeah, so right. Your money is safe. Right. Super smashing, lovely, great. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's right. in the bag. It's safe. I think James right. is high. <laughs> there were a lot of blackjacks in that bag. No, I'm not going to lie. You're doing um, impersonations of bullseye. <laughs> you don't even know you're, you, boy. You don't even it's know you're you. doing it. I know. Or right. So you got and the, the other options you've got is the inner light, which what I'm going to say is it's a very special episode of the next generation. You keep saying that. I'm going to do that one. Yeah. I'm just going to do that one. Okay. Okay. Take that. Yeah. All right. right fine. Because also you're going to have to watch Discovery soon anyway because the new series is imminent. So you're going to watch them. All right. So, so, right. so next generation, the inner light, and the original series, City on the Edge of Forever. Okay. That's what you got to watch. <laughs> By next episode, I want you to tell us all about it then. Excellent. That was hashtag Star Trek for Beth. Uh, what else have we been watching? Not much this week, really, because everything we've got watched for this episode has been like hour-long episodes easily mm. and yeah. also vastly watchable and not the kind of shows that you can really scrimp on. Like, I have watched all of the morning show because I'm just so aware that mm. there's something drastic will probably happen at the end so not too much i have seen episode four of vigil which i realized by the time this comes out we will be another episode into vigil yep. but my god vigil's fucking great um and then i've also watched uh the ninth episode of ted lasso which finally went up on oh, yeah, me too, yeah. apple tv screeners now, I'm not sure we can talk about it, though, can we? Right. Are we under Because uh, it's, it's like their embargoes are quite draconian. So, and I don't know what the... Moment, I think the ninth and one... And here you are playing with the train yeah. talk. I'm pushing those... Uh... I don't know what you're talking Tell about. Tell me more about those foundation I, trailers. I've enjoyed the foundation trailers immensely, <laughs> and I will be telling you all about yeah. the first eight foundation trailers later on in this podcast. Um, I think episode nine is the one that goes out 
tomorrow's recording this, isn't it? Yeah, oh, so fine. Okay, okay, so we yeah, can talk yeah, about yeah, it because yeah, it will have aired. Now, I've not watched it yet because I've not had a chance, though I have heard things. <sighs> it's different, isn't it? Yes, yeah, different yeah. one. Mm. Yeah, it's quite different. It's quite a lot to deal with, yeah, because it's because it focuses on one character. Standalone. Well, yeah. we can talk it's kind about... kind of standalone, yeah. So, well, yeah, I don't it, know why I'm being mysterious. It's, it's no, about beer, isn't it? It's about, it's about beer. beer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of an after-hours, standalone mm. type mm. app. Very, um, I'm going to say it, it feels like a film studies film. Ooh. Made by film students. <gasps> You've said it. You I have said, said it. it. They're going to come for me. I know it. It's very sweet. I didn't <laughs> love it. And that, to say that about Ted Lasso, yeah. that's a big thing. Yeah. <gasps> I, can't, I haven't quite come to terms with it, I have to say, because yeah, it's so different. It is different. I'm yeah. looking... You're right. After hours, what great. I was thinking about what does it like? What does it remind you of? It is, it is an after hours esque mm. thing. Yeah. Mm. It goes to a nightclub with some yeah. people. and You get to see some lovely stuff. We see some lovely stuff with the lads from the pub, get yeah. to kind of step up their game a little bit. Um, it's kind of a down the rabbit hole type thing with Coach. And it is, I love Coach. I love Coach. This just felt a little bit. Um, I'm just looking forward <laughs> to returning to the regular programming. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. With Do you know what I want to know? I want to know what Juliana Margulies thought of it, quite frankly. That's the only thing on my yes. mind because I remember she very clearly like... in her interview with yes. you, she said all she wants to do with her life at the moment is watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to know what she makes yeah, of that. I agree. Episode. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I just need to know what um, Nick Mohammed. Is what's going to happen to him, yeah. his character? Yeah. Why at the end of the previous episode he was so horrible? Will he pass the Bell End test by the end of this season? I mean, Who knows? Oh, he's got to, hasn't he? He's mm. got to get that back. Yeah, but that was a shocker of an end to the that previous episode. That hurt me quite yeah. deeply. Because people say, I don't think I mentioned this last week, but people do say about it that it's so it's so kind of lovable and um, cozy and all that. That people attack it for being, but that no, was it's got teeth. It's got teeth. Mm. It absolutely has got teeth. Yeah. that was harsh. And, that. Think... and there are teeth in this special um, episode as well. A very <laughs> special episode. A very special episode. <laughs> very but, special episode. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't think it's as kind of um, sweet as everyone makes out. It, um, I think we were watching the first season in a very different time to the time we're watching this one in. And yeah, I think I think the first season, I genuinely, I believe this that it was a service at oh, the time gotcha. that we yeah. watched it. Because yeah. I watched it in January when times were, were pretty fucking bad. Mm. I was pretty depressed to the extent where I then finished it, watched it all over again because it was it was a tonic. It was everything that you needed in that time. Yeah. It made you kind of reinvigorate your faith in humanity through these like wonderful characters. And it was it was a surprise, you know, people had the it had been out for ages and people hadn't really given it the time of day. And then through lockdown it got this this entirely new life um and now we're coming through it and yeah it's got teeth it's starting to show that these people are not perfect by any stretch that they are a product of you know quite a long line of people doing things to other people and I think people are just struggling to adjust to that because the first season meant so much to them at probably one of the worst times we've lived through mm. so I can understand why people are upset by it but at the same time you know it's honest writing honest mm. character development yeah. um god did you see um Jason Sudeikis is now getting a million an episode for the yeah. third season yeah Quite right. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Well, it, I like the fact that Apple clearly is rewarding its creative people. Shocking money. That, I mean, it is the yeah. Apple crossover show, isn't it? Almost more than the morning show. Yeah. Um, in terms of like a surprise massive hit yeah. that has become a cultural thing. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure they weren't expecting. Uh, you know, originally. Not at all. The fact that Jason Zakis, you know, is that producers it, stars in it. 
you know, blah, blah, blah. Right, means so, yeah. quite rightly, yeah, you get, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. A million, <laughs> like, like Plus, my, I think a million an episode isn't quite, you know, because my friends Yeah, they'll get cast, a million episode right in the I 90s. I think things have changed, yeah, cool. yeah. obviously, quite a lot by then, but, yeah. but still, I mean, good for him. They were getting a million episodes, and there were 23 whatever episodes, 24 episodes. Yeah. He's, he's only getting for 10, 11, 12. So, I mean, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My favourite tweet of last week was around Ted Lasso. It was Jessica Ellis, and she said, every week there are some damn weird Ted Lasso takes on this site, but one you will not get me on board with is that it's somehow diminishing or anti-feminist for Rebecca, who owns a football club and could bench press a medium-sized killer whale to also want to find a partner, which I thought is absolutely true. Who the fuck is saying it's anti-feminist? Apparently, That's ridiculous. apparently because Rebecca, she's on Bon Banter, somehow it's anti-feminist. The uh, Rebecca Sam... Um, you know the the date the the date the blind mm-hmm. date and the no you don't what you're not no you're not convinced oh no oh, it's I, great. I'm fully on board with it I think it's great are you with a with a 21 year old boy yes and a, okay alright uh, totally hey, I'm not look, gonna judge if she if she were male and he were female no one would bat an eyelid mm-hmm. well no it's the opposite really yep. if, if 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 she were male and he were female in this in at this moment in time on a big TV sitcom they there will be lots of eyelids being okay, battered. fair enough in that regard. But I mean, in terms of, I was thinking just in terms of general age gaps. Yeah. yeah. But now I think it's different. Now I think now that comes across as particularly creepy, whereas I don't think this comes across creepy at all. No, I don't it's think so. It's very charming. I think it's sweet, very charming and well done. Yeah. Still top line a 21 year old going out the but 46 year old. I think we've got, I don't think we've got, we, should, we can be judgy over okay. age. Not being funny, but the amount of films that star a male lead in their course, 40s and 50s and a love interest in their early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's yeah. run into the thousands. Of course, completely, historically, but I think that's getting less and less as time goes I mean, on. And it becomes, you know, I think you'd, now it'd be quite bold to go down that this, road. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, if you look at Malcolm and Marie, there was quite a lot of, of backlash between John David Washington and, and Zendaya. What's, yes. what's the difference there? So he is 37. She is... 25. I think there's a perception that Zendaya is like 18 because yeah. she plays high yeah. school, uh, doesn't she? Her girl yeah. in the Spider Man exactly. film. In fact, yeah, she's 25. Yeah. She's, yeah. But I think now, generally, I'm saying it will be a bold move for any creator of a thing to create a, that big an age gap relationship where the man is that much older than the woman in this day and age yeah. I think it would be a, I think it would be a bold move whereas I think in Ted Lasso I think it works it doesn't seem intrinsically isn't as creepy when it's money it's very charming Yeah, I don't think it's going to end well I mean <laughs> he well, is her employee so yeah. it's like there, is a, that, there is a problem based, there. based there is on that, that and that kind yeah. of power that power balance as well I'm yeah. interested to see where it's going to go I'm interested to see where most things are going to go in that show oh, gotcha. yeah. I just like the fact they've given Toheeb Jamal who plays um, that footballer character Sam, Sam. Um, as bigger, more of a yeah. storyline because he is yeah. fantastic. He is, he is wonderful. Um, yeah, he's brilliant, and he pops up. I do believe in the French Dispatch, and I, I was like punching the air when he popped up in that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, surrounded by all the other pretentious. <laughs> things that Wes Anderson does <laughs> which I'm fully on board with yeah. but clearly James isn't no um, okay fine super well I, I have not watched that episode of Ted Lasso I have of course seen all eight trailers for Foundation at this oh stage <laughs> 8 out of 10 I said not all eight. 8 out of 10 trailers for Foundation I have seen now Foundation airs this week and yet because of the horrific embargoes we still cannot talk about it so that is actually going to have to be punted until next week but I did get to talk about Foundation at length with Lee Pace oh. uh, with Emperor Cleon himself this week so he will be on next week's show talking about Foundation uh, and then maybe I can bang on about it without 
getting sued by Apple then. Um, but one thing I do want to mention is like last week uh, I, I banged on as I am want to do about the effects when we were watching unfinished episodes of The Morning Show and we were talking about unfinished episodes of Ted Lasso mm. as well. And Sophia Caldera tweeted us to say, just want to say thank you very much for the love for the visual effects artists on the first 20 minutes. It's not often that our work is acknowledged like that. Uh, and I'm I'm actually going to double down on this and go on about it again because I you remember last week I said, oh, well, you know, I'd probably be more upset if this happened to C. But I said, but it's okay because C is mainly practical. Like there are no effects in C because it's, you know, it's just all, and I was like, boy, was I wrong because I have now seen the C finale. Again, can't talk about it embargoed, but the C finale was presented to me in a format where I would say, of I won't say the most because I can't speak to that, but a significant number of the effect shots were either not present or unfinished. Mm. Uh, and much like the others, it was, pardon the pun, an eye-opening experience for me watching this. Like so much of C is visual effects that I don't notice. Mm. And and it, it blew my absolute mind. And genuinely, I will say that it gave me such an appreciation for that show and the craft that goes into it. Just, I was I was genuinely astonished. Like little things, and this isn't, please, Mr. Apple, don't come and kill me. Um, like the fact that, you know how they all have sort of films over their eyes because they're, they're blind. They're all blind. So they have like, their yeah. eyes have a very specific look. And I thought, oh, it was contact lenses. It's not contact lenses. They're all visual effects. Every <laughs> single one of them. So every single shot in C is on that level alone of a visual effect. Mm. Like that is a lot of work. And you just think like when someone's firing a bow and arrow, you think, oh, I mean, of course the arrows are computer generated. But it just when you're watching these things, you mm. don't realize these things. So watching the whole, and there's, there's a lot going on. It's the final episode. Can't talk about it, but you can imagine what a final episode of a show like that would be. So much of those set pieces, just to watch them sort of broken down in that way and see them without the final effects. I Yeah, I loved it. I will obviously watch it again completely once it's finished. But uh, it is still the greatest show on television. Uh, you should watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean. It's the greatest show on television with unfinished visual effects. So I can only imagine oh the God. splendor of C when the effects are finished. Wicked. Well, Ted Lasso, the, the effects aren't finished either, and that's no. better. So, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is it though? Yes. Um, fine. Okay. Well, is there anything else? You haven't watched any more yes. Bullseye or me as Bullseye? Which you as Bullseye yeah. want to see? That's that's going to get commissioned when I email ITV <laughs> later after this podcast. Um, I have been watching. First of all, um, clickbait, which mm. is this month's Netflix trash series that they did not <laughs> make a range for us to preview, so we didn't cover it when it arrived a couple of weeks ago on the Netflix streaming service. And it is, while we wait for You, the new season of You, coming soon. Yes, that's right. Um, trailer, very excited about that. What If, I think is I think there is going to be, you know, that which is the Rene Zellweger one, I don't know if you watched yeah, that. Not the Marvel one. Not the, um, not, yeah, not the, what yeah. slash if this is. Yeah. yeah. Marvel outrageously stole the title from the uh, Netflix <laughs> super trashy, brilliantly trashy um, kind of sex thriller thing. Well, if you want something to watch while you wait for those ones to come back, I recommend Clickbait. It is, I mean, the title is unbelievably apposite because it is about, so it all starts off with uh, Agent Grenier from, um, what's that terrible? Entourage. Thank you, Entourage. Yep. He is. He has been, you introduced him, he's having a lovely time with his family, his sister kind of hates him, you don't know why. Then he ends up on the, on the internet, a live stream of him basically saying he has abused women <laughs> and that he may well be killed and stuff. So it's like he's been kidnapped somehow by someone and there are loads of um, suspects 
some in his family, some not, associates. Each episode is told from a different person's point of view, different character's point of view. It's very high concept, um, ludicrous, preposterous, twisty turny whodunit, but it's absolutely brilliant fun. It is shit, but fun. It's in the shit of fun <laughs> Netflix thing. Yeah. I mean, I actually think you isn't shit. You is kind of just... You is great. You is great. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, what if it was borderline shit? <laughs> and this is total shit, but absolutely recommend viewing it if you want a seven-part load of old nonsense. Oh, what if famously being the show that when we reviewed it, Terry instead watched like an Iranian language drama <laughs> at the same name yeah. and said, yeah. and came and go, this was a really weird choice for us to do on the podcast. Yeah. There's a love show to go, what if it turns out? Um, so I recommend Clickbait. That is fantastic. That's all on Netflix now. And I have been watching, because I, I very much doubt we'll actually get to review it just because James is a fascist and won't, kind of probably won't agree to it. But series two of The Goes Wrong Show is oh. on in a couple of weeks. Right. Which is, you know, the Mischief Theatre Company. I don't know if you've ever seen like the play that goes wrong. Oh, yeah, like, that yeah, whole yeah. kind of franchise of, of um, stage shows all about an amateur dramatic group trying to stage um, actual proper plays. The TV version a couple of years ago was on and I loved and the second series arrives in a couple of weeks as I say I've, I've binged all five episodes on it on the BBC preview portal oh my god it's 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 just it's just made me happy all week it's so brilliantly funny and stupid and it incorporates every single type of comedy that you can think of like verbal puns stupid double entendres loads of slapstick loads of visual tricks yeah um it's just an f- absolute joy oh. and i may try and force james to let us review it but i'm just I've, in anticipation and i don't think it is embargo because bbc isn't isn't, uh, isn't isn't run by a bunch of people who are BBC obsessed about control freakery these things so i'm sure they right are. so i i so i um i tweeted about it anyway so i watched i watched the whole thing it's fantastic yeah Brilliant. the goes wrong show Okay. But maybe we'll review it. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows what? Depends what else comes out that week, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It's about whether it can vie for position with, with the foundation. With, exactly. We can with finally that. talk about it and you devote <laughs> four hours to that particular. Oh, well, so. it's, it takes place over a thousand years, Boyd, and that's just my review. <laughs> so, uh, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Can't wait for that. Well, if that is all the things we've been watching, let's go on to a listener question. And uh, we have not prepared a listener question for this particular podcast. Mm, so I'm just going to pull one funnily off enough. the list of, of, of things that I solicited uh, earlier today. Uh, let's have a look. What have we got here? Uh, and we're not going to answer this, but Mike asks, what mashup of formats would it take to get James to watch a non-scripted show, Bake Off on the Enterprise, Youth Hostelling with Bubba Voss, Married at First Sight, DS9, frankly, any and all of these, yes, please. I would 100% watch this. Tennis. Oh, God. Don't, don't tease me. Don't tease me. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, oh, oh, here's one. Let's do this one. Joe Bear asks... Which TV show keeps being recommended by your pals and for some reason you just can't or won't give in to watching it? Uh, the word gritty makes me run in the other direction, so Shane Meadows stuff is a no-no. I grew up on a council estate. I don't want to watch it. I mean... <laughs> a bit like you, apart from the council estate yes, bit. Terry feels very differently to you on yeah. this point. But Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, weirdly for me, it, 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 and I, I'm still ashamed by this, is The Americans. Is The Americans, Ooh. which has been recommended by everyone in the world. It's one of the best shows ever. You haven't watched any of The Americans? I have seen the whole of the first season. Oh, right. Okay. And I enjoyed it, yeah. but I have started the second season three times. And I got, I think... Three episodes in, then two episodes in, then four episodes in. And I've always been distracted by like a foundation or a C or something else. And I've gone away from it. And I kind of feel like I need to power through the beginning of series two so that I can just get into and finish the run of, those, I think it was what, six seasons in total. Mm. But everyone goes on about how good this show is. And I remember it being good, but 
not being addictive, if that makes sense. Like good, but not addictive. Mm. So I kind of I need to I need to address yeah, that. It does get better and better. So yeah, um, I would say yeah. It's I different. love everyone in it. Yeah, like I yeah. I, I'm so so that's I think the one that sort of springs to mind most for me. Okay, mine is, um, and I mean we addressed this last week, but I haven't seen The Wire, and the reason oh, being. Yeah. I just feel like the reputation of that show is so, like, untouchable. Like, it's untouchable. You're worried you won't like it. Not at all. (laughs) Rather, I feel like I have to be in a phase. Initially, I'd said I'd watch this in retirement, (laughs) where there's just nothing else but me in this show. But I'm going to revise that now, obviously, with the incredibly, incredibly sad passing of Michael K. Williams. So it might be that I come to that sooner than I anticipated but it was just because I wanted the most committed time I could possibly have to go and see this show which I realise I'm saying off the back of a pandemic where we were literally locked down and all we could do was watch television um, but I opted to Wasn't watch say anything, but Ted yeah. Lasso about 12 times over air because Gritty sometimes I'm completely right sometimes I just I can't do it but it, see the thing is I don't think The Wire is like, it's gritty in that there's realism to it and it does talk it about it is gritty it, even, no it is okay fine yeah, it's gritty don't, don't don't pretend it's, and not it's about poverty and it's about the war on drugs. It's yeah. about institutions that don't work, you know, whether it be educational politics, whatnot. Uh, but there's something I don't, I don't find it a downer, I suppose, what's saying it's gritty, but it's not depressing yeah, it's not at, at all. all. It's interesting. It does, I would say though, and I think I think it does take a while to get into. It definitely takes a while to get into. It's think, not a show that yeah. um it's not like a high concept show that's that that, that that snatches your snatches you whatever the phrase is from the word it doesn't, go. It doesn't yeah, grab yeah. you by the jaffas from the get go. Thank you. There you go. Um, so yeah, you kind of ease your way into it and let it. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. It is. I, I remember. I mean, I, I watched it. I think I watched it when it when it went out. But I remember thinking, oh, this is a bit boring to start with. That was my frank mm. opinion of it. And then you know, halfway through the first series, you're like, oh, actually, this is really. Well, this is really. Terry crap. had the same thing. She's tried to watch it. As she says, yeah. men have tried to make her watch it twice. Yeah, and she's resisted yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is certainly early on it's as boy said it's slow to get into but also they make no David Simons talks about this he's lean forward television like he doesn't attempt to explain anything from who the characters are to what they do to even the vernacular they use like you don't know what they're saying mm. half the time yeah. you get to grips with it and I found re-watching it I was in there from day one from the second because I know all these characters I know what they're saying I know all yeah. of it so actually the rewatch I found more enjoyable than the first watch certainly of the first season Okay, but it I mean it is it is a masterwork it is held up as the greatest TV show of all time for good reason yeah and you know what I think yeah, I'm just more propelled with that and also just where I, I feel like I just can't qualify to be on this podcast without watching it. So I think I, mean, I might commit to this, this like autumn, winter is uh, spend some time actually going to know. But the reason being that I hadn't watched it was because I knew that it was a masterpiece. I wanted to be in exactly the right frame of mind to sit down and and just watch it to its appreciation. And I just never got to that stage stuff just kept happening but I, I am 100% and gonna... is that the exact same reason that you haven't watched the rest of Battlestar Galactica oh, that, the, the words same, out of my mouth the there, dude. out of my mouth yeah. yes a yeah. thousand times yes <laughs> mm. and no other reason whatsoever right I um I've got a few actually. I've got a few that I haven't finished. Mr. Robot, I haven't finished. Neither have I. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, it feels like it's been too long now, doesn't it? Well, it does. But that, uh, but people are so fond of that show, and, mm. and and lots of people completely could not believe that I haven't finished that show when it went. You know, I mean, it's a couple. It's a few years now. So how many finished. did you watch the first three? Yeah. And yeah. the third one was terrible. 
Well, not terrible, just it wasn't a bit good. misguided, yeah. And, but then four's yeah. supposed to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, after three, I couldn't face four. Four is supposed to be a massive return to, yeah. and, and with a, and apparently the finale is spectacular and amazing. And I haven't seen it. And I haven't seen yeah. it. Um, so there's that Bates Motel. Oh God! Mm. Well, Bates Motel is recommended by a lot, of, a lot, a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not. How many of them are Freddie Highmore? No, <laughs> not just Freddie Highmore. Some people I really, really respect, um, like Twitter TV experts who I speak to quite a lot. A lot of them have talked about um, how that show just and just grew and grew and became this unique thing in its own right. Obviously, it mm. sounds like a completely ridiculous idea taking, you know, Norman Bates from yeah. Psycho and turn it. But, I, but apparently, it's become a, 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 a massive great thing in its own right you yeah. know so yeah I, I would open your mind James to that um, Yellowstone Yellowstone yeah look again James listen to James' face James' <laughs> face, face right? I like... started Yellowstone you may recall several weeks about I decided I was going to get into Yellowstone and I was like this is brothers and sisters with Stetson's hard but pass. the thing is it's created by Taylor fucking Sheridan who created, who, who, you know, absolutely brilliant screenwriter. Oh, Hello High Water. Yeah, yeah Hello yeah, High Water. Sicario. He wrote Sicario. Yeah. I'm not knocking yeah. Taylor Sheridan. He wrote the two great Sicario films. And, you I mean, know, look, it's got River. Kevin He's Costner in it. It's hardly low Kevin rent. Costner's in yeah. it. And they've got brilliant reviews. Everyone says it's great. And everyone's like, oh, the next season's going to be amazing. When's the next season arriving? People like tweeting me. I'm like, well, I feel bad that I don't know. Also bad that I haven't watched it. Yeah. So you've I, not I, seen any episodes? I watched the first episode. Same as me. I watched the first yeah. episode of everything. So you, you had the same feeling that I had. You're like, no, 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 no. No, no. I, did, I watched the first episode and I thought, um, this is this is pretty good, but I don't need to watch it now. I need the rest of it now. And I never went back to it. But it's, now that it's become apparently this this pretty great show, I'm gonna I need to go back. I mean, and watch let's it. be honest, like the pilot isn't exactly high octane. The the general no. plot is about whose property a stream runs through. That is basically the plot of the first episode. <laughs> yeah, like, reduce... I've got to be honest, I'm I not know. sure I care. <laughs> it's like reducing Star Wars to like tax How dare you? things. How dare you? <laughs> I think you're referring <laughs> to the taxation that. of trade yeah, right. by the Trade yeah. Federation in the Phantom Menace. Yes, all of that stuff. Like people always yeah, you can reduce anything to anything if you want to. It's yeah. tw- it's twenty two men kicking a bit of leather around the pictures, like, yeah. I mean whatever. that is football <laughs> right <laughs> it's bullshit it's a bullshit point but other ones I wanted to mention it's always sunny in Philadelphia I've mentioned this before I really need to watch more oh, of that show oh you definitely do yeah I, I have not watched enough never of that watched show it's like literally one of the longest running sitcom in, in history it's and, disgusting and you know watch bits and pieces of it every now and then but I've not sat I've not fully consumed it's always sunny in Philadelphia mm. as a whole yeah. I need to and that's going to take me years so I need to go on to that quite quickly um, and Horn Catch Fire yeah. Speaking of, I haven't really yeah. watched that I properly. I need to get around to yeah. that, you know. Um, Everyone says that's great. Yeah. Lee Pace, isn't it? Isn't it yeah. Mm. Um, uh, you know, just the subject of matter of it, I think it sounds fascinating, the creation of computing, modern computing and the internet and Apple and Microsoft and all that. It sounds mm. brilliant. I, I can't imagine you haven't watched it, James. I know. You would think it's right on my alley, but yeah. I, I wonder whether it was the period setting put me off slightly. I just It's it's not an era yeah. that, that sits well with me. It's not uh, the era that sits I don't know well with you. What does that mean? Design. I mean, look, what I like the far about? future, I like the distant past, so but let's like not sit about in the middle. That's hilarious. <laughs> It's not a period. This is yeah. a new, I think it's just a new revelation. It's it completely written off the 1980s. Yeah. I'm winging it right now. That yeah. is so brilliant. Yeah. You refuse to do 80s, anything in the 80s. Why did you have like a, a, a bad like personal I, experience? I, what happened? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm just freestyling at this stage, but wow. yeah, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't okay. jump out. I watched the first episode, I think, uh, and I, I halted because it didn't catch fire. Oh so, my uh, god! 
Oh, unbelievable. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Well, anyway, that's my list as it stands. At the I mean, I have I have a, a ton of other things on my. I just don't have any of them with me, so I can't think what they are. But I mean, there are lots of things that I know I should have watched or should have finished. So, like, I may destroy you, which I've now still only watched two episodes. I of. swear oh, to God, I'm mean, so angry. That about is this. embarrassing. I just so I can't angry. do it. No, I can't do it. No, you got you got <laughs> yeah, you've got to you've do, got it. To do it. I can't in good faith come on here and not watch the way and you've right, not you watched Sammy Destroy You. It's a bloody lootly. Look, you're absolutely right. Once Beth comes in, having watched all about the Star Galactic. I will sit down and I will watch no, the rest of the story. He's lying. He's blatantly lying. Episodes. <laughs> Don't believe of a fucking word of it. Um, absolute ooh. bullshit. And I know you tried to veto it not being the show of the year last year as well. And yeah, well, I mean, we managed. We managed to tie. We managed to tie because normal people was definitely my favourite. Um, in fact, yes, there are many things we have to talk about. We won't be able to talk about it now, but uh, Boyd and I had to put our, our, our names to our greatest shows of the oh, 21st yeah. century yeah, for the BBC did, yeah. recently. Oh, yeah. I did that as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but we can't, I don't think we can talk about what we voted for at this stage. So once once they released the final thing... No, I don't think our ones are embargoed, are they? The ones you've yourself have chosen? I'm pretty sure I mean, we can yeah. talk about I don't think anyone what we submitted. Okay. Like, but having said that, I can barely remember. And now, now you've warned me that maybe it is embargoed. Well, maybe we... so, I must admit, so I had to send mine to Boyd beforehand. And be like, yeah, is this quite mental? sweet? Yeah, that was quite <laughs> I needed Boyd to I needed yeah. Boyd to cast an eye over it. To yeah. be like, I mean, just to make sure that like the Expanse and C and The Witcher at number one, two, yeah. and three was oh something God. that I could mine was, get away with. Mine was so. way more Maverick than yours in the end. Yours, it was. It mm. was. Yours yeah. was surprising. Yours I, was. I kind of deliberately avoided the really obvious ones. Oh, I went straight for the obvious. Okay. Yeah, aside okay. from the fact I haven't seen The Wire, yeah. which is probably right, let's right. be honest, that's probably going to win. Well, The West Wing was disqualified. Yeah, because it started in the nineties. Sopranos as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was heartrending for me. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, my number one was The Wire because the West Wing was disqualified, yeah. so uh, that came in at number one. But yeah, it, I, I had a few a few uh, curveballs on there. I mean, it got to the point where I, I spent far more time <laughs> list than I really should have done yeah. because it was killing me the stuff I had to leave off it it really was yeah, it was really hard it yeah, was it very was difficult But so are they going to I'm trying to remember the actual original email are they they're doing a special show are they doing a thing surrounding this list are they going to I mean presumably there's something yeah. it's not just going to go up on a website somewhere. Right. I don't know so this list will go up it'll be the greatest yeah. shows of the 21st century but crucially it's not just going to be the master list which is the you know, collection of what all the critics have thought it's also going to they're going to they're name and shame each one of us yeah. with our individual lists yeah You're you like so, this, Beth. He's already been patronising to you today, but he he, he also, uh, James, when we were discussing it on on, on um, we were messaging each other about it, and he said, "Oh, I bet yours yours has got loads of unscripted shows in there." He said because they meaning, said they were yes, viable, meaning you know, oh, I'm about to vote for like Big Brother, like some fucking moron. Like, I thought yeah. you would. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Really thought you Actually, would. first of all, Big Brother wasn't eligible either. I think cause it started the year before. Oh, I think. Okay. Or maybe it was. I can't remember. I, remember. I didn't vote for it. Anyway. But I thought well, you I vote, would. 100%. No, no, it was two thousand. It was two thousand. It was two thousand. Right. No, I'm I, I'm vote for all scripted stuff here. I don't. I mean, I. Like, you know, I take an interest in reality TV. See, I boys, rewatch. I'm not. I don't sit at home watching rewatch, rewatching endless series of Big Brother. You and are literally rewatching Bullseye. What are you way. talking about? <laughs> Bullseye is different. Bullseye is different. Actually, that would be amazing if I put like one Bullseye two <laughs> Sopranos. <laughs> I mean, but but the thing is, like, see, I sent a, I sent a, a sniffy elitism about you, buddy. You 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 know, disparaging non-scripted shows. Um, I'm not disparaging them. I'm I, I I am confirming the idea that I would pick them in my top ten of all time. No, actually, not of, of the whole century yeah. of the 21 years of this of this uh, century. That, that no, no, I did not put Towie in there. <laughs> Even beat the chasers didn't make it. it. Well, What's going on? Beat the chasers, tempting. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. 
Fair enough. Well, you will uh, you will find out that when that exact list comes out and we are officially named and shamed for our list, we, we could do a whole special for that, couldn't we? We I'm could. We could do a whole head. special. Yeah. That'd yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we will see Sorry, what happens. Um, Okay, I think that more or less vaguely answered at least a question. Uh, if you have questions for the Pilot TV podcast and do send some, in fact, I've got quite a few today when I ask, so I might, I might stockpile some of those and yeah. keep them for future weeks. But if you want to send them to me at James C. Dyer on Twitter or by DM to at Pilot TV Pod, that would be great. Uh, we also have a brand new social media editor across Empire and Pilot, uh, Sophie Butcher, and she is <laughs> she's putting some finally putting some content up on the Pilot TV. She's smashing um, it. Yeah, she is smashing yeah. it. She's putting content up on the Pilot TV. Uh, uh, feeds across Instagram, across Facebook, across Twitter. So if you do not already follow us on at Pilot TV Pod across those various channels, then do because there's loads of good stuff coming your way on there as well. Right. Time now, I think, for a guest. Two guests, in fact, because Why the Last Man comes to star this week, adapted from the comic series by Brian K. Vaughan and Pierre Guerra, it posits a future where one day, presumably on Terry White's birthday, every male on the planet promptly drops dead. <laughs> Uh, showrunner Eliza Clark and star Ashley Romans uh, who plays Agent 355 uh, they stopped by the other day to talk all about the show with Ella Kemp and this is what went down Hello and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast we are here today with Eliza Clark and Ashley Romans showrunner and star of the new post-apocalyptic TV series Why the Last Man Hello both how are you doing today? Fantastic Good. Yeah. Excited to be here. Very glad. Um, where are you calling from today? Uh, I am in Highland Park, Los Angeles. And I'm in Culver City, Los Angeles County, California. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those sound much sunnier and uh, more peaceful than the environment of your show. Is that is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. But there's plenty of there's plenty wrong in Los Angeles, too. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Ashley? No, rush hour. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very much looks like the show. Yeah. We'll work on it. That maybe that's one for maybe you know another season later down the line. Sure. But so let's talk about your show, and I want to start with something of a primer. Obviously, it's based on a very beloved comic book series with a lot of fans around the world. Um, but could you run us through the plot for for everyone you know who might or might not be familiar with it? And um, I'd love to know for both of you. When did you come to this story in your lives and what was it that really grabbed you about it? All right. So the the plot, a, a little a little quick primer on the plot is that uh, an event happens in the first episode that kills every living thing with a Y chromosome. So 50 percent of people, 50 percent of mammals uh, die suddenly and it there's no warning that it's going to happen. And so. Not only do 50% of people die, but uh, the streets are clogged with car accidents, planes fall out of the sky. It's a, it's a disaster. Um, and uh, except there's one cisgender man with a Y chromosome who survives and his pet monkey, who is also, also has a Y chromosome. Uh, and the, the two of them survive and they are later tasked with uh a journey across this post-apocalyptic United States with Agent 355, who's sitting beside me. Um, and she's tasked with basically taking him to a scientist to save the world. So, you know, straightforward, calm, calm story. Yeah, calm story. <laughs> um, and for both of you, what was it that first grabbed you, the kind of first image and your first feeling when reading this story, be it in the comics or in the script? 
for me, I think the first thing, to be honest, the first thing that excited me was the issue when they were in Marisville and um, the conversation about prison reform. And just, I, I knew at that moment that the comic was, a, in, the intention was to say something very important about the world that we live in. And um, I, uh, I read the comics after I got the uh, first round of auditions and I had no intention of getting the, I had no idea I was gonna get a call back or go any further, but it was such a fantastic read. And then when I had the second round of auditions, I was able to speak with Eli and she was so clear about the world that she was making and how it was going to be uh, such a grounded, truthful world in the world that we live in. Uh, I, that's honestly what really made me excited about this project and the adaptation into the different medium. Now, I, I read the book in 2009. It was the first gift my husband ever gave me when we were just friends. Um, and he gave it to me because he's also a writer and he had read some of my plays and he was like, I think you'd really like this. This feels like up your alley. And I loved it. I mean, I love speculative fiction. I love um, stories about, uh, complicated three-dimensional women. Um, I, uh, was, so anyway, I was, I was psyched about the comic book and kind of always in the back of my head was like, oh, they're doing an adaptation of Why the Last Man. I can't wait to see that. And then 10, you know, fast forward, I guess, 12 years, uh, 10 years, because we've been doing this for a while. Uh, and I actually got to be the person who made it was just, you know, a dream come true for me. What What was the conversation then like with your husband afterwards when you could say, hey, you know that book you gave me all of these years ago? Like, did he have some kind of vindication about it at the end? I think he was psyched. I mean, he because he also is a huge fan of it. And he was like, I can't wait to see that. And now I feel like I know how much you love it. I feel like you'll do it justice. So, and I will. I think that, you know, what's interesting is that the book is 20 years old. There are certain things that really do need to be updated about it. I mean, you know, the book touches on gender diversity, but that was central to the adaptation to my take on it was making clear that the world and that the world is vast and that chromosomes are not equal to gender um, and that York is not the last man. Plenty of men survived, but he is the only person with a Y chromosome. Um, so all of that stuff was super important to me, but in lots of ways, the book hasn't actually, you know, there not that much has changed in 20 years. The gender inequalities that exist in workplaces um, are still pretty, uh, pretty much the same as they were 20 years ago. So Ashley, when you were reading your scripts, what, which moments really struck you where you thought this is clearly set in the apocalypse, but it's quite scary, you know, the, the, the parallels, I suppose. Was there any moment that gave you a, kind of a bit of a shiver down your spine? Uh, let's see, which moment gave me a shiver down my spine? Um, I think in the moment where Olivia, um, sorry, a uh, hero played by Olivia Thurlby, is in this uh what, what was it eli was it a like a like the fema place is that what you're talking about yes yeah. the licenses on the on the wall the FEMA it's like place. a high school gym yes the high school gym and to see how even just that room has been transformed into a place for disasters i think that's really 
that even though I wasn't in the scene, I had to, it was important for me to show up on that day of shooting and see the world outside of the Pentagon where my character is in the first few episodes, um, because that could be the day after tomorrow. And that is the current circumstance for so many people around the world. So that was very timely. Your, your character is fascinating and uh, terrifying and very cool and a lot of different things. And yeah. You know, we, we, we see a lot of secret agents or agents in any capacity in TV shows, but Agent 355 is is a secret agent who's not like other secret agents. Um, what was the draw for you and the, the kind of key, I suppose, character parts that you were really determined to, to bring out that make her such a, you know, a unique and specific character? For sure. I think the thing that resonates with, with me the most is how full of contradictions she is. I mean, this is a a person who really wants to be seen and also wants to disappear. And for all of that colors to be in one person and the writers and in no way shy away from all the contradictions that are in her. And also too, the fact that she is one of the people that is upholding a system of oppression. And when that system falls away, her identity falls away and she's trying to figure out who that is in the context of this new world. Um, so that's, one of the many things that really resonates with me as a character and also just the fact that her her identity is 355 and she's kind of stripped herself of a name and her own identity and functions within how she functions in the system in the culpa ring i think a lot of people can identify with that especially after the when quarantine began and the pandemic happened a lot of people couldn't do all the things that they do so they had to find a new identity and who are you, right? It's terrifying to me. Um, a lot of things about this show are. Please, can you both reassure me and tell me that the shoot was fun and rewarding? And because it must have been a really female, well, it was a really female-led shoot. What was that like for both of you? And how did it maybe differ to other projects that you've worked on? I think it speaks to just, I mean, Mary Jo Winkler, Eliza Clark, um, Nina Jacobson, they are such fantastic producers in, in the environment that they set up. Um, I think it speaks to them as people, right? The target attracts the arrow in a lot of ways. And um, this cast, especially shooting in a pandemic in Toronto, in a city that shut down, really was cathartic in how we all came together in the context of the story and supported each other. And uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was honestly an amazing experience. We only had each other, basically. I mean, it was, it was, we became a family. Uh, Ashley and I, we know four choreographed dances. Yes. Um, and so does everybody else in the cast. Like we did things <laughs> like that because we didn't have, you know, it's like we were away from home and um, it was scary. It was a scary time, but I think, you know, I hope I certainly had the most fulfilling sort of creative experience of my life. And I'm deeply grateful to the incredible generosity of these actors who came far from home and also to their partners. You know, there were people, you know, my husband was stuck in a house away from home for a year so that I could make this beautiful thing. And, you know, anyway, I, it, it was, I had the best time in yeah. a really scary time, but it was, it was great. And also, by the way, the show gets really funny and fun, too. So it's scary, but stay tuned. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a blast. <laughs> Everyone's going to have a good time watching this one. 
Before I leave you, I have to ask one extremely serious question for both of you, and I need an honest answer. How well would you both fare in the apocalypse? I would die immediately. <laughs> Ashley? Immediately, and not even from something horrific, something completely within my control would take me out. I have zero sense <laughs> totally. of direction. <laughs> I I would probably just, I don't know, walk into the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I'm not sure I would want to, you know, like fight a roving band of, you know, marauders. I think I'd be like, you know what? This isn't for me. (laughs) It's it's, it's quite a lot of effort, to be honest. I mean, I think it's fair enough. Know how you want to go, walk into the sea. You know, sure. And on that really pleasant, calm, normal note, um, thank you so much, both of you, for your time. And I look forward to having a blast in this post apocalyptic show. Thank you so much. Bye. That was Eliza Clark and Ashley Romans. And time now for this week's news. And where better to begin than with this year's primetime Emmys, which happens, well, last night, actually, as we record this, since we're doing a special little drop in news section on Monday morning. So we're very current. We're very considerate here at the Pilot TV podcast. Uh, did either of you watch the show? No. No. No, I, I meant I meant to. I really was going to. And I, I set up my, um, you know, stream that I found. And um, uh, I was all ready. And then I was like, oh, you know, it doesn't even start to 1, 1.30. Uh, they had a big opening kind of musical thing. And by yeah. the time I got through that, I was like, no, I think I'll go to sleep. But um, I did see Hannah Waddingham win. She won the first award yeah. for mm. um, Ted Lasso. And Brett Goldstein, not far behind her. Brett Goldstein, not far behind her. So... I thought once I'd seen Hannah Waddingham, which is such a brilliant um, thing to happen because, you know, she's not, she, I think her getting that role was not, you know, was quite, probably quite a surprise. She mm. wasn't, she's, she's not a stage that actress, isn't she? She's a stage actress. She's done TV stuff. Mm. She was in Sex Education, of course. She's um, Scepter Unella, of course, from Game of Thrones. Right, there you go. <laughs> so she's done stuff, but th- this has definitely changed her life, as she said in her speech, yeah. in fact, that it changed her yeah. life. I also love that she shouted out to uh, Juno Temple. I thought that was lovely. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. They all, they all were so um, thrilled for each other. So her winning, so so I saw that, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, that's fine. I'm going to go to sleep now. It's not going to get any better than it's this. Not, <laughs> you're not going to get any better. Then Brett won, and I love Brett Goldstein so much. Like, you know, I, I kind of vaguely know him, and he's he's just a lovely guy so that yeah just those ted lasso i mean you know i think we all love the show don't we um yeah so that huge triumph for them um was fantastic yeah i think it's really sorry i was just gonna say it's really important as well because i think whether you engage with these awards ceremonies or not these are essentially gatekeepers for your career and i think being able to i mean this is brett's first big u.s show isn't it like to be able to go ahead and say that I've won an Emmy for this. This this could yeah. mean like a significant amount for his career beyond the kind Massive. of hearsay and word of mouth of Ted Lasso. So I think it's wonderful for them. I'm really thrilled for them. The thing that kind of I took away from from this year's Emmys is the massive sea change in the kind of television landscape. Because obviously this, you know, this ceremony aired last night on CBS and traditional television networks won one Emmy last night. Yeah. One. One yeah. single yeah. Emmy. Yeah, they've got to buck their ideas up. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? It's, it's really interesting because like, if you yeah, look yeah, at yeah. it, so Netflix won 44 mm. across both the primetime and creative arts ceremonies. 44 yeah. wins. And when they didn't win, another streaming service did win. It's worth pointing out that CBS has held the record for the most Emmy wins for the last nearly half a century uh, and completely destroyed at this point. And no networks are 
winning Emmys anymore. It's just purely streaming. Mm-hmm. It just shows how yeah. much the TV landscape has changed. It also shows how few shows I think people who vote for the Emmys watch because it's like six shows pretty much won the entire yeah. ceremony. Yeah, I mean, so, so there's two yeah. takeaways here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. basically they were like, if it, we'll give it to the Crown unless there's anything else. Mm. That we can think of if they got if they if they weren't sure they just gave it to the crown clearly because or the Ted crown, Lasso yeah <laughs> yeah Ted Lasso to some extent but the crown um, the crown p- picked up drama series um, Olivia Coleman Josh O'Connor Gillian Anderson Tobias Menzies all won the acting awards and I'm sorry I love the crown and I love this series <laughs> of the crown you know gave five stars in in Empire and Terry reviewed it she absolutely loved it and all, and I agree with all of that but. I don't even think Olivia Coleman, you know, thought she deserved to win for that. You know, she's great. No, but no. Um, so I think the fact that all those acting <laughs> awards went to the crown and no, and by the way, of course, no black actors won, actors or actresses won anything, which is which, which was interesting to say the least. Um, interesting is the word, boy. Interesting yeah. is Emmy, the word, Emmy yeah. So White was trending at one point, I think. Emmy So, so. White. But I think it's the crown. I blame, I have to, you know, I love the crown. As I say, I love the crown. Don't get me wrong. It's brilliant, but. It's not the most diverse show on television. <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously inherently the least diverse show on television. And it just doesn't, I think those acting ones are just, people just weren't even thinking. I don't think they're even thinking. It shows that, shows that these things are, are, are decided by people who don't, who, as, as you say, James, probably haven't watched everything. Mm. You know, who knows if they watched I May Destroy You, although that did win one award. Yes. But what's really interesting, I read a thing saying that there are, at any point, 500 scripted original TV series on. Like, not yeah. on at the same time, but on TV, there are yeah. 500 scripted series running. But six shows essentially won almost every single Emmy. So we've got The Crown, Ted Lasso, Mayor of Easttown, Last Week Tonight, which always wins, and rightly so, uh, Queen's Gambit, and Hacks, which obviously we yeah. haven't seen yet. And probably never will. Boy, did we got any, like, struggles <laughs> oh on this? Hacks is uh, weird. Yeah, it's not on the, um, it's not on the Sky, so it should, by all, by all accounts, it's an HBO show, it should be on yeah. Sky Atlantic, but it's not on Sky's October monthly highlights thing, which I get sent. It's not mentioned yet. Um, I don't know what the fuck's happening with it. And it is a no. ridic- taking a ridiculously long time because it's the most acclaimed show that's ever taken this long to arrive, I can think yeah. of, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. I was I I find I find this this ceremony quite embarrassing. Like to wake up to this <laughs> this morning was I was like, I woke up very early to try and get kind of brushed up, watch all the speeches, which is my favorite bit. And I just very like sleepily through one eye looked at out, Outstanding Limited Series and saw Queen's Gambit and like just rolled back over. I was just <laughs> like, I'm not, come on, like, come on. And then I read through them all and I was like, come on. Like this is, <laughs> this is just lazy. This is lazy selections there, there needs to be better work here because this was the record for for kind of diversity this year a, a record number of nominations for black mm. actors that absolutely nobody walked away in the performance categories within a wood and not just nobody people like billy porter for pose for the last season of pose which for better or worse was essentially an emmy campaign like every single episode <laughs> that he was in he was. He had his eyes on on something bigger. He did look fabulous on the red carpet, though. To be fair, of course he fucking <laughs> did. Always, like yeah. it's, it's like a, a legal obligation at this point in his in his life to look absolutely show stopping. And he lost to Josh O'Connor in the Crown. And and as you say, Boyd, like I'm I'm here for the Crown. I think it is mm-hmm. an outstanding showcase of talent. It is not an extraordinary show. It is not a challenging show. It is not pushing boundaries in ways. That that are exciting. If you look at something like I May Destroy You, which is a challenging 
extraordinary show. So challenging that James can't watch it. <laughs> I, I, I was over-challenged. <laughs> yeah. But I agree with you. No, it's... I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, no. And, and the courage that went into that show, that she went on stage and she said in her acceptance speech, tell the story that scares you. Mm. Is there anything more challenging and courageous than what Michaela Cole has done with this show, what she did with the final episode of that show, which James, I'm sorry, you're out of excuses at this stage. Like, come on. Uh, what she did with the final episode of that show was was courageous to the point where it should get every single award that it goes for. And instead, like you said, six six shows, six mm. shows walked away this week. It was it was really embarrassing. It feels like our standing limited series was. I mean, that was a that was a difficult one. A lot of great shows in there. So you know, from Mayor. I mean, One Division wasn't really in with a shout, but uh, Queen's Gambit, I May Destroy You, Mayor of Easttown, all three. But I feel like May, I May Destroy You. It's that classic thing, isn't it? I just don't believe enough people, and I appreciate the irony of me saying this. I just don't think enough people there watch it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, really. Yeah, and it's and that's their fault. That is that is very much on them. They have a, a full, <laughs> and I'm looking at you is that you have a responsibility <laughs> to work in this industry to watch <laughs> things of extreme significance. And I'm sorry, I like again, I like the Queen's Gambit. That should not have been a limited series. That should have been a film. Like that was definitely a casualty of an eight-hour runtime for me. Oh that really? Was See, such I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I it, yeah, I would defend. I loved it. It was handsome. <laughs> it had a beautiful performance. All the craft Emmys for the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Not outstanding limited series against the Underground Railroad. Against I May Destroy You. Even even One Division was doing something ballsy. At least it was challenging genre. It was breaking boundaries. It was doing something new and exciting. And it, they just went with the the very pretty kind of sports film, which I is essentially know. I what I think you're selling is. Queen's Gambit a little Ooh. short there. I, I think Queen's Gambit got incredible word of mouth for a reason. I think it resonated with people. It was partly, you know, when it arrived during lockdown. But, you know, we missed it on the show. We didn't review it. It's one of the ones that Netflix just dropped and it just built and built and built. And I think it is one of these things where people are like, oh, it's it's a, it's a multi-hour drama about fucking chess. Like, no thanks. But actually, <laughs> it's really good. It's a fascinating character piece. It draws you into chess. And let's be honest, that is no mean feat. Like, <laughs> Like, for all, like chess is a very complex game it is not what I would call an adrenaline sport it is not a fantastic <laughs> spectator sport and yet they make it absolutely engrossing I'm halfway between the two of you I, 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 I really liked it I loved the Queen's Gambit I was the one who kind of championed it on the podcast I'm going to take some credit for that after they after you, um, you did and I don't did. think and, and I think it was um, I think it was I think it totally it totally worked for me I thought it was actually the right length whatever the, I think it was five hours in the end but anyway I can't remember but, Felt like it felt like seven to you or eight to you. But where I do agree with Beth, where I agree with you, I, I actually would, was angrier that, like, if I, I may destroy you, should have won. I completely agree with that. But I was angrier that then Mayor of Easttown didn't win. So it, for me, like, the Queen's Gambit was the third choice on that list. You know, um, I may destroy you at Mayor of Easttown. Well, both, I would, I would have kind of been happy with both, either of those winning. I think both of those were phenomenal pieces of work. Whereas the Queen Gambit, I, I kind of know what you mean. You know, I think it is the safer option. The, the less kind of challenging piece. It was the safest of, option. The safest it was the option, safest yeah. option. In but yeah, I agree with you. I'm also angrier in a weird way because I kind of didn't really expect, I don't think I expected I May Destroy to win the, the actual limited series award at all. I don't, I don't think it was ever going to do that in, in with no. these American voters. But the acting categories, I think, are preposterous. So mm -hmm. particularly for me, like, I love Josh O'Connor, but for him to beat, as you say, Billy Porter, 
Jonathan Majors was brilliant in Lovecraft Country. Sterling K. Brown, people, um, you know, and the, people love him in This Is Us. Again, like, um, Hugh, Hugh McGregor won for Halston now. I oh, had this shit. That is ludicrous yeah. to me. <laughs> right. Ludicrous. Now, I reviewed Halston for, the, for Empire and I kind of have issues with it. One of my issues was his performance. I'm not convinced by his performance in Halston. I re- it's a really enjoyable, I actually rewatched it and I kind of really love it for all of its Studio 54 and so on that. But come on, I mean, he's Leslie O'Dom Jr., Lin-Manuel Miranda, Paul Bettany. You know, I would have rather Paul Bettany run that for, for WandaVision, I think, I have to say. Um, so who was talking about Holston? I mean, you know, let's put my fears for Ryan Murphy aside, who was genuinely talking yeah. about Holston after it came yeah. out? Like yeah. nothing. You talk Bands about of, the word of mouth of Queen's yeah. Gambit. Holston just died a death, to be honest, and yet he's still come through and won a, an Emmy for it. Wild to me. It is wild. Yeah, it is wild. Um, <sighs> And just all those crown acting awards. I just think, you know, I mean, um, Prince Philip wasn't barely, I, I did, can't even remember much of him in season, that's the last season of yeah. The Crown. Um, so I was I was kind of astonished at that one, um, that, that you won for that. And again, I've already mentioned the Olivia Coleman factor. People, I think people just, we love her, absolutely love Olivia Coleman. Of course but, we do. You know, come on, Elizabeth Moss, it, I mean, uh, MJ Rodriguez imposed, as you've said, Journey Smollett. Uh, uh, I mean, I just think it's weird that she won that again. You know, I think it's just late. It's lazy voting. That you, you, that's where I do agree with you completely. I think a lot of these results are, are, are basically lazy voting, but that is, that's the nature of award shows. I mean, they're all preposterous, aren't they? That's, mm. that's, that's all we can learn from these things. That's all we can learn. I just wish it had, and this is what... What I started by saying is, you know, we can we can kind of brush them off as lazy and, and insignificant. I mean, they're significant to us because of our jobs, but in terms of what they can do for people's careers. And yeah. that is where it's extremely frustrating for me. The, the impact that these kind of awards and this kind of recognition can have on people's careers moving forward. That's why I'm gassed for Brett Goldstein. <laughs> but, you know, what damage has been done here by not acknowledging the emerging talent the exciting talent that's on this list and instead just going to the designated safe bet every single time they're they're not doing anything to help move this industry forward and that's what's frustrating to me well if we look at the if we look at we roll in the creative arts emmys which obviously last week then the crown and the queen's gambit are both up with 11 and the top spots, Saturday Night Live got eight, Ted Lasso, and The Mandalorian got seven. Obviously, Mandalorian, essentially creative arts, not prime time. Love, Death, and Robots got six. Oh, my God. Boy, did, did you say you'd reevaluated that after we destroyed no, I, the first season of that? No, no, no. I, I, I hate it. No, I watched, there's one episode which I mentioned on the podcast, which I stand by saying was really, really good, about the giant naked guy mm. washed up on the beach, which is from the second season. Um, that is a brilliant piece of, um, piece of whatever, filmmaking, animation, whatever. But no, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that, that, but those are, must be all technical. They're all technical. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they're all yeah, great right, right. Oh, yeah, fine, yeah. fine. I think we can, we can celebrate the fact that, you know, the Ted Lasso thing, I think, is brilliant, you know, winning all those awards. So, and I think we can, and to see Michaela Cole go up there and her, yeah. her, her speech, of course, her speeches are always just brilliantly, brilliantly written. You know, she wrote a little thing about, you know, dare to, to write not what you know, but what kind of is, is, is um, risky for you and all of that. I think, mm. I think the impact of that, and I think there's, I think everyone there knows that how brilliant I May Destroy is and how brilliant she is. So, you know, that it won that award, of the, obviously it should have won way more. I think we can celebrate, we can uh, massively. So I think there's still, you know, there's still, there is still stuff that, that was good about the Emmys. It's not, it wasn't a complete write-off, but as you say, Beth, there's loads of, um, there are loads of stupid winners as well. Oh, stupid. (laughs) 
<laughs> stupid Emmys. Stu- stupid <laughs> Emmys, right. Uh, any other particular award you want to flag up? I mean, brilliant that Gene Smart won for Hacks. Gene Smart, of, you well, know. Well, this is it. I'd love to be able to get yeah. into that, but we haven't bloody yeah. seen it. Yeah. Exactly. I can't say I can't anything comment. about yeah. it. I bet it's brilliant. I bet yeah. the writing's shot. I loved her in Mary Easton. Like, I feel like she's having a moment. I just couldn't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. It is interesting because there are campaigners about women, um, uh, you know, over the age of 50, you know, getting, you know, campaigning that there should be more visibility for older women on TV, which is a massively, you know, which is obviously a very good point, a pertinent point. So I think for that that, alone, Gene Smart as as an older winner, nominated for two amazing performances in you know in one year i think you know as you say even though we haven't seen hacks yet but by all accounts she is phenomenal in it hacks if anyone doesn't it's it's it's, she plays a stand-up comedian um and it's all about that world of stand-up and comedy and all that and i can't wait to see it when the whatever the fuck's gonna get to to see it (laughs) yeah Yeah, i guess that is a point to make like i mean gillian anderson's 53 olivia coleman is uh oh she's 47 just now It, it, it is good to see women above the 45 year mark getting celebrated for that um, yeah. is which yeah, I think America I we'll America's in. much better at than Brit- Britain for some reason I think America's much yeah. better at just giving those roles um, yeah so that was good yeah Jean Smart is 70 and you know she's having a fucking brilliant time she was also amazing in Watchmen so she's having an incredible yeah. oh of course career. she was yeah yeah what a, what a career she's having. You know, I remember yeah. her in Frasier years ago, like 20 years ago. Fantastic. Well done, Jean. Well, yeah. yeah. Here's hoping we get those. I mean, you'd like to think that is a push to get it over here. You, oh, I, do, I don't you understand like enough think. about acquisitions to understand why we haven't got it yet, but it is a massive blind spot, I think, just how far behind we are with Yeah, things. I think the only reason um, I, can, I can, my guess is that they that Sky what, tends to want something to finish so they can show it all, have put it all available as a box set. Um, and then and I think I guess they're waiting for a a moment where it can get its day in the sun because it is such a big a highly acclaimed show I guess they don't want it to just disappear so then maybe they were just waiting where where there's not like Sky as far as I can tell Sky Atlantic tends to have one big massive highly acclaimed series at a time roughly they they wait till it's available all in one in one go to binge and then and I'm sure they'll kind of get round to it Maybe when you know when um, all the other British shows <laughs> they've got are finished, yeah. but it is it is infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the Emmys. What other news do we have, Boydie? Um, I'm going to start with a, with a, with a um, person who died this week, which is Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald was this com- was this comedian. That's Saturday Night Live, most yeah. famous for much less famous in this country than he was in America, but an absolute legend and unique comedy talent and all i was going to say very quickly is because you know when we talk about people who died generally there's loads of stuff out there there are some brilliant tributes david Badil wrote a really good really good one i thought which is which if you which you google but if you actually want to see him in action just find him on his last letterman his last appearance on one of letterman's last ever shows when it was announced that letterman was leaving the late show mm. on cbs and norm mcdonald does this um stand-up routine five five six seven minutes and it's a brilliant routine anyway and um he, and at the end he gets genuinely emotional about the fact that dave's dave letterman's leaving giving up the show this is his last appearance on the show and he gets really really emotional so it's moving it shows what mm. kind of what, what he was like as a human being yeah. and the just the but the bit the 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 stint of stand-up is legendary in itself and it was absolutely fantastic so that will be that is for me the fitting tribute to normal donald Oh, I'm I'm definitely going to go and watch that. I love. I've, I'm not very well schooled in his um his legacy at SNL, but I do love some vintage uh, SNL. So a good, a good opportunity to go back through that. 
Um, are we going to talk about Tudum? Oh yeah, Tudum. The big. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, the big Netflix um, virtual conference that's happening this week, which is promising big previews of. The Witcher. Yes. Looks up. Uh, Strange Things, The Umbrella Academy, Ozark, Big Mouth, Money Heist, Cobra Kai, The Crown, Bridgerton, and Sex Education, which is interesting to me because, uh, so this is dropping on the 25th of September, uh, but Sex Education is out this week, so... Yeah, I think it's like the Tudum, which is named as you, as you, as you kind of implied with your. You, you got to do it. You got to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. No. Do it. Um, uh, <laughs> of the Netflix, the two notes Netflix thing. Yeah. That uh, that Tudum. sounds Tudum. on all their shows. It's not really a Tudum. It's a Dum Dum. No, yeah, I would say. but yeah. not yeah. They, they, know they, they, they know what they're doing by Tudum. doing that because it's making everyone talk about it. Well, yeah. yeah, you can't Dum Dum because that's Law and Order. That like you can't <laughs> like that's so so Tudum. But Tudum, I think Tada! Like it's no. And you can't duff duff because that's EastEnders, as I'm sure you know, James. Duff duff. Duff duff, yeah. Duff. Isn't it? How, that's a duff duff. Yeah, duff, but that, duff, it's known duff, as the duff duff. The duff duff. For sure, yeah. I did not know that. I didn't yeah. know that. The great. duff duff, the dum dum, yeah. and now the, the dum dum. I've done that, yeah. Okay. But I think it's <laughs> much... That a, but to your point, Beth, about... Oh, you know, yes, yeah, so this education comes up, we're reviewing it on this very podcast. Um, oh, no, we reviewed it last week, sorry. Yeah, you, um, it. But I, I, I guess, I think they're doing, like, interview stuff with... Right. With shows that are on at the moment, that yeah. shows that, you know... I think it's just a general celebration. So I think some of it will be newsy announcement type stuff and other stuff will just be like celebrating these current shows that people love so yeah. and, and of course they could just emit I'm trying to remember whether it's been officially re- recommissioned for a fourth. I, was, I mean, this is what I was wondering. Yeah. I was wondering if this is uh, going to be an announcement. Well, I mean, for a it has to. I mean, it will, without any doubt, have to have to have a fourth season. Yeah. It? it just will. So, um, I think you did. You make the point last time when we reviewed it that the, the, with the cast, I have to do it quite quickly because the cast are going to get too old to be yeah. legitimate. Yeah, supposed to feel cool play an eighteen-year-old much younger. I think he's about forty-seven. <laughs> <this day>. is, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, Shooty Gatwell looks about twelve. No, so he can keep going. That is true for a few years, but yeah, that is a fair point. Um, but they are really going for break with that to them. Oh, thing, huge, yeah. Yeah. huge! It's very interesting to see that. Um, yeah, really throwing their weight behind that. Did you see um, the the BBC l- released new images from Stephen Merchant series? Now, Stephen Merchant series oh. was called The Offenders until very recently, and I interviewed Christopher Walken, who's in it <gasps> for Empire Magazine uh, a couple of issues ago. Um, and we had a couple of pictures of it. And at that point, it was known as The Offenders. It's changed title now to The Outlaws for some reason. So if you're confused as to why the pictures you'll see in some magazines and online this week of Stephen Merchant's The Outlaws, if it's a different show to The Offenders, no, it's the same show. They've just retitled it. And I don't really know why, because it is about a group of um, offenders of different kinds, including Christopher Walken, um, uh, Darren Boyd's in it from Killing Eve, Eleanor Tomlinson's in it from Poldark, uh, Rian Barreto's in it from Honor, etc. And all these characters gather, this disparate group of characters gather in Bristol to do community service because they are offenders. But now it's called the Outlaws. So because so Walken's like in Bristol. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. In has he got West? Has he got West Country accent? Um, uh, no. Great, we love. No, that would be amazing. <laughs> Does play it? No, that. that would be incredible. He did walk around <laughs> Bristol a lot. <laughs> He told me, yeah. So, but I'm generally, generally, I think I might have said this already a couple weeks ago, but of all, a lot of the many, many myriad things coming out this autumn, this show, now called The Outlaws, is one I am looking forward to hugely. Yeah, 100%. Um, We've got a Penguin spin-off show, which I'm excited about, I think... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think I mean I mean we haven't seen the Batman yet, so we don't we know. We haven't seen the Batman. And we don't know if it's Colin Farrell. Like, it's Colin it's Farrell in the film. Will it be Colin Farrell in the show? I mean, he has been very I've seen a few interviews with him on 
the Batman and he is in it very little. He said he's only in about five or six scenes. Right. Um, I mean, they've covered themselves in that he's under that many prosthetics. Yeah. But it would be, I mean, it wouldn't be now that he's made his big kind of TV debut with the North Water, I don't think he's beyond doing a big project like that if they're going to chuck loads of money at it. Um, and with the right showrunner, that could be really interesting. Mm. Really interesting. Mm. Um, I, that said, I haven't seen Gotham, so I don't know if that really worked. Oh, I didn't like Gotham. Didn't like Gotham. I didn't go on with Gotham. Okay. Gotham was irritating, deeply irritating. It was so like, oh, wow. Did you, did you like it? I watched a few episodes, and but then I had the same experience I had with Gotham that I had with all of the Arrowverse shows, where I watched them, I was like, it's fine but life's short you know and i just stopped yeah well that's because it's not very good i mean if it was very good then life would have been long enough for you to watch but, it. but then i suppose I, like people generally think that the arrow because it's not arrowverse is it gotham no gotham about. was just really obvious like oh this character is going to turn into the penguin and this guy's okay. character, and it was just really clunky and basic kind so we of can pre- make enough of a departure yeah. with this one where it can be actually really really good yeah okay, yeah. okay. all right yeah well yeah I'd be interested, and I don't think we should write Colin Farrell off as a viable <laughs> lead. But yeah, that could be have some have some fun with that. Um, Luther news. Luther, yes, Luther. Yeah, this is, is exciting news. Yeah. Technically, film news, but I'll allow it. Is it those? Ten, it's Netflix. It's, Here we go. Here is we it going to be? Well, we have. We have someone did provoke. <laughs> someone did provocatively challenge. I think Chris Hewitt as to whether this should be covered. In, I'm sure you covered it already in the Empire podcast. We did. Actually, you do yes. outrageously cover. I know. I know. Even though I we're know. not allowed to cover film news, I know. At least we know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to TV <laughs> news. But considering it's a co-production with Netflix yeah. and the BBC. Yeah. The chances are that it's going to get a minimal cinema release, in which yeah. case it's more of a TV story than it is a film story. I mean, regardless, we're still going to review it because it's Luther. Uh, right. So, <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, yes, Cynthia Erivo and Andy Serkis. Oh, that's so yeah, that's that's exciting. Cynthia Erivo is exciting. Is, I mean, both of them, but Cynthia yeah. Erivo in it is, is a brilliant bit. Of, yeah, uh, is a brilliant coup, isn't it? Yeah, that as is a exciting. villain as well. Two yeah. villains. That's Fantastic. going to be. That's going to yeah. be so much fun. But this has been in the in the work. Uh, 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 a Luther film oh my has God. been in the works for forever. years and yeah. years and years. Absolutely yeah. forever. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very excited about yeah, this. It, yeah. it is. It is. It's Gwendolyn funny. Christie, have you seen, has joined uh, oh, yeah, Wednesday, the Tim Burton yeah. Adam's Family spin-off thing. Is it animated or is it live? It's live action. Live action. Is it live, live action? action? Yeah. Yeah. Live yes. action Gwendolyn Christie. That's Good a, cast, yeah. yeah. Mm. Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's impressive. Okay. I see for me, Christina Rishi, uh, that, that she will always be my Wednesday Adams. But, uh, always. Well, yeah. Always. Is of it going to be good? Tim Burton, he's lost me. Recently. Oh, Tim Burton lost it years ago, time. didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've written him yeah. off, that's it. I've written him off. You've heard it here Have first. You not? <laughs> Dumbo was shit. Dumbo was awful. <laughs> Dumbo, I could not, I could not sit through Dumbo. Genuinely. Dumbo was, was egregious. What was, what was the, the one after that? Yeah. Oh, the the Wonderland's terrible. What was oh, the 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 family one that wasn't the Adam family with? Um, I could say it could be any one of them. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Depp's in it. Projects. You have to say. I, I know what you're saying. What his projects are so like Tim Burtony, aren't they? Like he's never. I don't think he's done a project for years. Though I've gone. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Tim yeah. Burtony. Everything's like. Oh, we've done. Haven't you done this film already? Oh, right. I'm sorry, sorry, boy. I'm getting a call. It's Wes Anderson. He wants to uh, talk about his output. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't defend Wes Anderson on that point. But yeah, I mean, I don't need any more Tim Burtony. 
Tim Burton projects. No, but I do love Grounded and Christie. Yes. It's been, it's been a pretty good week for slightly random video game adaptations. So Anthony Mackie is going to be starring in a Twisted Metal TV series. Uh, and again, this strikes me of all of the game franchises to adapt. This is an interesting choice. So he's going to be playing a character called John Doe. Uh, he has no memories of his past and is seeking a better life. And so accepts a dangerous mission to deliver a package across a wasteland filled with, among other things, Sweet Tooth, the flame haired crazy clown in a giant car ice cream truck covered in guns yes uh, it's not a game franchise I'm overly fond of but there you go that's going to be a TV series also Driver there's going to be a live action television series based on Ubisoft's Driver game uh, which as you may or may not have guessed involves uh, an ex-race car driver uh, having run-ins with you know criminals and stuff where is my Crash Bandicoot series? Where is your Crash Bandicoot series? I do not know. I think Colin Farrell will be playing Crash Bandicoot <laughs> in an upcoming adaptation very soon. Thank you. All right, well, that is, I guess, it for news. So we should move on then to this week's reviews. And we should begin with the return of The Morning Show, which we're actually allowed to talk about now. Uh, this, of course, sees Jennifer Aniston's Alex Levy and Reese Witherspoon's Bradley Jackson return after the events of last season when the pair went live on air to out their network's culture of sexual harassment and abuse. Uh, the show returns nearly two years after it first debuted. Uh, but has it been worth the wait? Mm, Beth. Uh, yes we'll say yes I was a massive fan of the first season Um, massively so I thought it was always going to be tough to be one of the first uh, stories about Me Too straight after Me Too some have done it very well some less so The Morning Show did it incredibly well I thought it was really precisely written uh, we had the bonus of seeing Jennifer Aniston in a role that I think she really 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 deserved and was more than worthy of so that was really really great and it also made me think of the line in Knocked Up do you remember that line where they're like oh you made Steve Carell look like an asshole." in Knocked Up they make this big joke of it that's that's what the show is they make Steve Carell into a fucking asshole um, so that was uh, quite interesting to see him go wildly against the grain uh, this season like exhausted me I don't know about the two it exhausted me it was it was incredibly well written again but where the Me Too aspect so that they're, they're deconstructing kind of the aftermath of Me Too in this. And I like that they don't make it a clean, nicely tied up resolution to what's happened. They're kind of decoding where everyone stands within it, who was responsible, who could have done more, who's left, you know, grieving, what can people be doing better all the while. uh, So this is set three months before New York goes into lockdown. Um, And again, this is really interesting to see how we're seeing big budget shows now begin to approach COVID. I know Mm. that Succession, for example, they're just going to ignore it and not have anything to do with it. Whereas with the morning show, much like they did with the newsroom, they're kind of playing off of current events to drive the storyline forward at this stage. And it's all very wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh my God, what's social distancing? Why are you wearing a face mask? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and it's it's enough distance now where I think we can be like, oh yeah, 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 we're here with you. But, oh, so much drama in this. I don't think... I benefited necessarily from watching it all very, very quickly. So I watched it again. I watched all of it in the space of maybe a few days. We should say all three of us have seen all 10 episodes of the show. Yeah. 
Apple individually embargo individual episodes. So while we can talk okay. about the series as a okay. whole, yeah. we can actually only talk about the episodes. It's actually quite confusing. So I'm not right. quite sure. So I guess, I mean, look, we wouldn't we spoil it We can talk in general terms. We can talk in general terms about our impressions. But yeah. That was slightly done. What James was doing there, Beth, was reminding you that you can't mention any specific plot points from any episode beyond the first yeah. one. Don't I mention bet. the war. We're yeah. going faulty towers is what but we're But we can talk in general terms, <laughs> yeah. I believe. All yeah. right. Well, I think difficult. I've done all right so oh, totally. far. Yeah, uh, I think he was like anticipating you're about yeah, to launch you know, a revelation fun. about, for example, <laughs> oh, so and so character. That bit in the finale when yeah. Jason Momoa turns up as Bubba Voss, I did not <laughs> see that crossover coming. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had because, like, everything happens in this. I feel like uh, it just felt a little bit overstuffed for me. I felt like every episode was covering at least six very major storylines that a variation of characters were having to deal with all at once and whereas with the first season we'd get maybe one or two very well staged gripping kind of emotional showdowns where people are squaring off against each other you know I was I was so excited for example if Steve Carell walked into a room with Jennifer Aniston and I was like oh this is going to be really fucking good there was something happening I, I, I was thinking of something like a, an American sitcom, maybe like 30 Rock, where you have to hit like a joke count, don't you? It's something like, it's amazing. It's something like every 90 seconds or something, there has to be a joke. And I felt like with the morning show, it was this, but with some sort of dramatic revelation or <laughs> emotion about every 90 seconds, someone had to yell at someone or someone had to cry or someone had to throw a vase on the floor. Uh, and it felt like, you know, they had all this amazing talent and it was like, oh, we have to showcase this to the best of their ability. And it, it really exhausted me. I was at the end of every one. I was having to, you know, kind of take deep breaths. And yeah, it it it, it is very, very heightened. Um, it is superbly acted. Of course it is. And we've got some amazing um, additions to the cast this season. Greta Lee, who I adored in uh, Russian Dolls. She's got this massive role in it now where she's up as um, head of news, I think her title is. She's something really superior. She's she's uh, up with uh, Billy Crudup's character, who is amazing in this. He's really, he's the crazy man that makes a lot of sense is how I see him. <laughs> and it's a great role for him as well. Um, but I found this, Almost distractingly intense was my, yeah, was my I, takeaway. I feel that. I do feel that. Also, I think, and you've touched on this, I think the first season was so meticulously constructed around an event and the aftermath of an event and building up to another event. Like I feel it was really tight. You always knew, not exactly, but you knew that it, it knew where it was going and it knew where it was coming from. It was a very A to B, very clear story. This feels a lot like, okay, we've done that. Mm. What do we do now? And I'm not entirely sure even at this point that they know. Yeah. Um, I will say, and we can say this because she was fucking on last week's podcast, Juliana Margulies though is an amazing addition to the cast, yes. isn't she Boydie? She is the um, yeah, she is a character who again, trying to avoid saying anything specific <laughs> spoiler, but she has a massive impact yeah. on, on the series on the characters, on the whole situation, and yeah. I think it was a masterstroke bringing her in, just because she's Absolutely. she's instantly kind of brilliant and the character is fascinating and there's, and there's certain you know things that happen to her mm. and what happens to her with various characters is just I, I thought that was the best and one of the best things about yeah and to get season. someone who's a heavyweight on yeah. screen and off Brilliant i think casting. is yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i th i still loved it i know what you're saying it goes for it doesn't it, it goes for broke yeah. Yeah. i would say this is much more daring 
and almost outrageous sometimes yeah. than the first series. The first series, although I did get, I, met, I went back before I watched the second and watched the last few episodes, and it is, it reaches, it reached a level, the first series, of kind of hysteria. Yeah. Um, yeah. As everything built up to the huge drama that, and this, this that build up to hysteria happens quite frequently <laughs> yeah. throughout, multiple so like, times an episode. There's yeah. more hysteria this time, yeah. but I kind of loved that about it. I, I, I was like, it's quite, it's quite shocking sometimes. Mm. There's a scene again. I'm not going to spoil. It, there's a scene with characters in in a car. Yeah, you know, I was just they're, they're like about screaming it. and yelling at each other, <gasps> and I'm like, this is extraordinary. Yeah, but I kind of went with it. There's an, I mean, there, there are it really, really goes to, it. and I kind of admire that creation. I have to use the word I always use every week boldness <laughs> because it is fucking bold so and I still think it's Jennifer Aniston it's it's the peak of her career she's, very yeah. she's so amazing in yeah. it and she's asked to do really really difficult stuff yeah. like, and more and more as it goes on I would say yeah. um, all kinds of weird emotions that she goes through all kinds of strange challenges and kind of weird yeah. but, and she's a horrible person oh a lot God. of the time everyone is basic, miserable everyone is an egomaniacal yeah. you know kind of self-absorbed person but her more than anyone yeah. and I think it's a real kind of almost like dissection of her character yeah. I thought that was fascinating so I totally I still absolutely loved it there were definitely moments that I there's one subplot that I'm just not interested in at all I'm yeah. not even going to say I know it. exactly what right. you're talking about yeah. and you, but you felt like, and it's like they had to do it yeah. but they didn't sure, know how to do it I would say yeah. in the first series there was barely any subplot that I wasn't invested in yeah. whereas this time every time they went to that thing yeah. which is all Ironic. the way through I was I was like no I just want to go back to the glamour of the show 100%. and the yeah. old things surrounding the show and Steve Carell in wherever he is um, with Me his new friend <laughs> all that so I loved every minute but that Storyline did did lose me, but generally, I mean, mm. it's absolute. I think it's so entertaining. It's it is, it is really good. Like, I, I, we all three of us watched all the way through it, yeah. and I devoured it as Same. well. Absolutely. Yeah. But even while devouring it, I was very conscious of the fact that, from a pure quality level, I don't think it's as good as season one. And I don't think that's any, that's not to say anything about the performances. I think they were all firing on every cylinder imaginable. <laughs> yeah. Julianne and Margaret is a fantastic addition to it. But again, I just think it's the the, the sort of, the arc of this, the, the direction it went on just isn't as clear cut and isn't as compelling as the first season. And I wonder whether when they do a third season, they'll kind of take stock of this, write it and maybe have a clearer goal of where this show is going. Because I think mm -hmm. that's maybe what it needs. Once this, let's say once every episode of this has aired I would be very interested for the three of us to talk about the yeah. finale in particular I have many thoughts and oh, many things to say yes, and obviously we're not going to do that here and now because that would be irresponsible and Apple will be around my house in five minutes but um, but yes there are there are things to talk about but uh, the morning show I mean Christ a lot of you were seeing how now how many episodes did it was it just the first episode dropped on Friday or was yeah. it it's one a week. Okay. Yeah, they're parceling so, it out. Yeah, yeah, bit by bit. They're doling it out. Well, as it should be, I think. I think, yeah, we we just had yeah. to we yeah, had to get it done. Yeah. And I perhaps would enjoy it more drip fed. Mm. It's it's weird, isn't it? They're looking at the way they deal with the pandemic and looking at it through almost naive eyes of people who are like, is this going to be a thing? This oh, it totally uses hindsight. Yeah. I, thought, I loved that stuff. That was very but, clever. There's some but, really funny moments where yeah. they're learning how to wash their hands. Oh, yeah, completely. Those, it's genius. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, but that's a really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that it's stuff. Crazy. I thought that was yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. But I always liked that. And I know and Beth referenced this. Like, I love the way the newsroom did that. I, I found, I, lo yeah. I like looking mm. back yeah. at big events with the prism of hindsight. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so the morning show has returned. It is even now 
now, the first episode on Apple TV Plus, uh, with another one to come next Friday, and so on and so forth until the end, <laughs> as TV series tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Partridge. Oh, God, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> right. Next up this week, we have Midnight Mass, which is the latest horror series from the brain of Mike Flanagan, who brought us the spectacular Haunting of Hill House and the less spectacular The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, moving away from the haunted house genre this time, so this involves a remote island community, a creepy priest, and Matt Saracen, former quarterback of the Dylan Panthers. <laughs> Isn't that right, Boyd? Yes, yes. Um... Uh, Zach Guilford. Um, Who is, is brilliant. He is brilliant. Spectacularly mm. handsome. Isn't um, he? And brilliant. Mm. Um, uh, you're right. So this is, it's not Haunted House, but it's kind of Haunted Island. Um, this is set on a very small island community of, I think, 122 mm. population. We, we pretty much Crockett meet most island. of them. Yeah. Um, and it's a story about the arrival of a new priest to this very religious, mostly very religious community. Basically, the kind of community seems to surround this church, this rickety old mm. church. Um, and this new priest arrives, played by Hamish, Hamish Linklater, Father Paul. And of he, the newsroom fame. Of the newsroom fame, thank you. And um, he's a very very forthright, powerful figure. And he's taking over from a much-loved previous priest who is mysteriously supposed to be on the mainland recuperating from some situation, but it's all get very vague as to what's happening with him. And at the same time as this kind of new um, religious figure arrives to kind of um, to try and get the religious people of the island to keep them in their faith and to kind of encourage them in their faith, at the same time as that Guilford's character arrives, who has, who has been involved in a horrendous traumatic incident, a drink driving incident, it's the very first it's thing. The very we'll talk first about thing it. It's yeah. no spoiler. Mm. He is responsible for, for the death of a young woman in a drink driving incident, and that is, by the way, a brilliantly directed yeah. opening oh, scene. Very powerful, brutal. visually stunning, brutal opening scene. And go straight to prison. And go straight to prison. The series then the, the series then unfolds, and I would say it is a classic Mike Flanagan slow burn, in the same way that he did with both The Haunting of Hill House and, the, as you say, the less successful second haunting, um, Bly Manor. Yeah. What he does is he introduces you, um, he, gi he gives you a fairly snappy opening, generally, pre premise, where you're like, okay, what's going on with this weird priest? What's going on with this poor guy who's been involved in this drink driving thing? He introduces you to a community, to a group of characters, almost like a non-genre fascinating character-driven drama, really. So you meet the main characters, many of whom are played by his kind of, his, the people who are in all his shows. Yes. Kate Siegel's always... The Flanagan players. Yeah, the Flanagan <laughs> players. Henry Thomas is always in his shows. He's in, he's in all of them. Um, but generally, you introduce this group of characters. All these people live on this island. There are, pe there are people who resent other people. There are people who hate other people for various reasons. There's a group of kids who kind of go to another bit of the island they shouldn't be going to. There's weird things happen. Cats seem to be being targeted by some mysterious force. If you are a cat fan, I warn you now, there's a lot of cat death. So I am getting a cat on Sunday. Oh, Beth, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that traumatic. Was, uh, yeah. I mean, shit there's more cat-based um, violence in yeah. this than any other show I've ever seen, yeah. in any other film I've ever seen, including yeah. Pet Cemetery and all of that. So that is quite a lot to deal with. There's a weird force being seen, like kind of glowy eyes. In the, so that's kind of... He, but he, he drip-drips Mike Flanagan, the writer-director, and he's, I think he's directed the whole thing, all seven hours of it, the, the kind of horror thing very, very slowly. So it is a really interesting character study of this community, this with, and a kind of looking at faith and religion versus people who aren't interested in that. There's a Muslim character, um, the, the sheriff is a Muslim and he's got a young boy. And it's, it's dealing with big, weighty issues. Yeah. 
And then he kind of cranks up the horror. I would say not really. I've seen the whole thing. Not really until pretty much episode three, maybe yeah. even four. Maybe, I think four is probably where the full horror of the situation and what is happening and what kind of horror thing this is really starts to become clear. Yeah. But it's a real slow burn. And I say that in, in, in not in a bad way. I think it's in, it managed to be gripping and fascinating because the characters are so well drawn. I think he's a brilliant writer, Mike Flanagan. I really do. Yeah. I think he establishes these characters. The scenes are long. Like He has really long speeches. People just have long chats in their homes about stuff, about faith and religion, all mm. these issues. And I went with it and mm. I think some people I, I can imagine some people are going to say oh it's a bit much, it's a bit pretentious that you know some so and so character gets to go on about being a messiah like figure for about 10 minutes and he's not interrupted you know there are there are it's borderline indulgent but I at no point was I ever bored in yeah. the seven hours of this thing and it reaches a crescendo of horror as it goes on which is just superbly handled I think the pacing of it and the way he tells the story is so clever and I think it, what, what he does brilliantly and what he did brilliantly in the first haunting thing and I think he does at his best is one for me the big problem with horror a lot and I love horror it's my probably you know probably my favourite genre of, of, of film and TV apart from maybe comedy is that horror stories are often ruined when you explain it when you have to explain yeah. it and it happens time and time again and I think Mike Flanagan's always trying to find ways of yes I am going to explain it but I'm not going to ruin it at the same time. I think with Blind Manor, he did kind of ruin it. Yeah. There was a real explanatory yeah. moment in that, which was like, I don't care anymore about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen it. to me in this in this story. I think he really, I think it's so clever the way it unfolds. I think the act, the performances all around are brilliant. And apart from the old dodgy aging makeup, which is, which is disconcerting. <laughs> oh, and one final point. It uses Neil Diamond music absolutely <laughs> brilliantly. And we're talking classic late 60s era Neil Diamond of, you know, um, just brilliant, brilliant songs. And, and there are some montages to Neil Diamond tunes that are fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I, people beat Mike Flanagan around the head with Blind Manor a little bit. And I think one of the reasons why Blind Manor doesn't work as well is his involvement, I think, was quite reduced because of this, yeah. wasn't it? Like, right. He was working on Midnight Mass when Blind Manor was going on, so he wasn't as involved in that as he was with Haunting of Hill House. Like, I don't know whether that's the reason or whether it was just partly the source material. Uh, but I like to think that maybe that is the explanation for why it didn't live up to the first season because this this feels like like he is he's back on his game. Now, yeah. I've not watched all of them yet, but I will say like the early, the first two or three episodes, exactly as you say, like it's really slow-paced. There's lots of long, perhaps a touch pretentious conversations, but my attention didn't waver for one second. And there's something about the setting and the island and the characters. Because like in this, so so Zach Guilford's character, you are 100% fascinated mm. by him from the very second this begins. You see this drink driving accident, you see he goes to prison and then he gets out of prison four years later and that's when the show starts. So immediately you're like, oh my God, what has this guy been through? What, you know, the guilt he must carry, you know, he's been in prison for four years, he's now coming back to this community where nobody likes him. Everyone here is a very clearly defined weirdo and I mean that in the best way. <laughs> but they're all freaks, each and every one of them, but they're very well defined freaks and each one feels like they've got layers and multitudes beneath them and you want to know what's going on. And then yes, some of the dead cats did look a little bit like the one that attacks Ross on the balcony in that episode of Friends. <laughs> but sure, you know, and there's a CGI seagull that, you know, for reasons which is in there. But, but, but genuinely, this is really, really good. I wasn't sort of scared as such with the early ones, but I think that's actually a compliment because he doesn't rely on jump scares. That's that sense, mm. that pregnant sense of foreboding and dread of yeah. something intangible, unknowable, just out of shot or just out of scene that you can't quite pin down. Uh, and I, I must say, like, as, as ye old creepy priest, older Hamish Linklater just does an incredible job of being charismatic and compelling, but also properly fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I was on board for this a lot. So, so Beth, you're, you were a fan of Hill House, I'm assuming. Hill House, yes. Let's yeah. say with Blind Manor. Um, and I completely agree with you. I think he is like a maestro of dread, isn't mm. he? The the devil really is in the detail, and the detail is just a movement of a head in the darkness or a hand shaking as somebody's life is leading, like leaving their body. Yeah. It is so subtle and but so present at the same time. Um, and I was reminded a little bit of St. Maud, uh, the film that mm. came out last year in terms mm. of uh, its themes of, of interrogating religion and faith and belief and how that pushes people to measures of extremity um, and how people within a community are driven within faith. And I, you're right, I think it, it deals with some really intense themes really well um, within horror as well. You're not going to like this. I felt... Zach Guilford was a little bit of a little bit of a sap. How dare you? Yeah. How do you mean? See, see, they underestimate him when he first joined the Dylan Panthers when it was QB2, (laughs) when Jason Street was the main quarterback. They underestimated him. They didn't realise what gifts he had. But actually, once he got out there, he showed them what he was worth, Beth. He showed them and they needed to keep the faith. Do you mean he's wet? Like he's wet? I I found him a bit of a vessel for... Interesting everything that was going on and I was wondering if that was intentional I wondered okay so are we is he our in are we kind of using him as a way to kind of just yeah. do everything and then when I began to realise more and more that actually he is supposed to be a character whose story was supposed to be invested in and emotionally invested in I was like oh shit because I just ah, oh, I just oh. found him but I think this is a testament to the other people on the island I think this is a testament to Hamish Linklater who I loved in the newsroom I loved in if we'd still do Banshee I would have spoken <laughs> about Legion which was a great show which yeah. he was great in I loved uh, Kate Siegel in this who has a really great storyline um, involving a pregnancy um, I just found him hard to invest in I'm sorry I just I looked at him and I saw nothing am I going to no. have to add I'm Friday shocked. Night Lights to your list of shit that you have to watch is that what's going to happen James I wrote for you about a 2000 word feature <laughs> oh, you amazing. You did. So, amazing so hang on, hang on. Let's get, so you, you've Keep watched listening. all the Friday Night Lights yeah. and so so you are, you know the power of the Matt Saracen and yet I'm, number seven Beth number seven and, and you're not feeling it I mean you've forgotten the essay so you're going to yeah, forget the I mean, that, that is, is true you did literally write a 2000 word feature for me on, on so Friday funny. Night Lights but um, I mean James not paying attention is, is no yeah, I mean that's fair no that's great, fair but I see I loved it and as I say I like to think of this as the unofficial sequel to Friday Night Lights when Matt <laughs> Saracen ends up on uh, on, on Crockett Island um, but I, I just there's something about his performance like, and Terry talks about this when, when she first watched Friday Night Lights that he has this quiet incredibly naturalist acting style like the way that he brought that character to life with the stutter and the inability to look people in the eyes and I think that soulfulness he has carries over into this as well I was there for him 100% Uh, I did not find him sappy myself I found him deadwood yeah that is shocking wow I think he is a bit of an everyman figure though I think think he is a bit of a you're looking at uh, what's happening through his eyes yeah Yeah. like he comes back to this community yeah and he is an outsider so but I I, I thought he was great my, my MVP though in the whole show and I'd play oh, there's yes. a religious yes. maniac yes. character that's Samantha Sloyan as Bev Key um, she's kind of a ratchet isn't she yeah, yeah. She's like a, she yeah. is amazing yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is know. a scene where she is confronted by the sheriff yes. in a broom cupboard yes and I was like I amazing. will have nightmares about you for the rest of my right. life and there's an even <laughs> wait till you get to the scene later on where she's confronted by shall we say a horrific thing and she is, and it's I don't know if you how far did you get I haven't got that far okay. four episodes oh, okay. in yeah. I think yeah. it's in five or five, five maybe and it's 
not only is it brilliant, it's funny. It's really funny, her reaction to this yeah. thing that happens. I am so very fun. much looking forward, actually, to going home to binge-watching the rest of these episodes hey, this evening. Such a treat. I'm, it's such I'm, a treat. Yeah, I'm enjoying this enormously. But uh, Midnight Mass does drop on Netflix on Friday, the 24th of September. Make sure you watch that there. Finally this week, we have Why the Last Man, which, as you've already heard, sees Ben Schnetzer as Yorick Brown, the last male alive after every other person with a Y chromosome promptly dies. Isn't that right, Boydie? It is. This is Why the Last Man that um, James has been banging on about for quite a while. So this was a graphic this is, it was a, it was a very It was a long-running of... comic series. It's incredibly good. Mm. Okay. So obviously, when James bangs on about a you, thing that's adapted from switch, comic yeah. books, yeah. I might immediately just go, oh, God, this is going to be you know boring or, you know, I don't know, not as good as he wants it to be. So I sat down to watch the first episode. Um, we, I've, I've watched the first three. And as, as as it's been established, this is... So it's, we have to make clear that it is um, people with the Y chromosome that die suddenly all, yeah. all of them in the world apart from one the Bechnet, the not just people characters. like everything everything with a y yes chromosome. mammals yeah. yeah mammals everything with a y chromosome yeah. so you know rather than rather than calling them males and females well, because, and so, there is yeah so the comic the, predates essentially right. a lot of the, the gender yeah a lot situation. of the sort of like well yes. like, so so it came from an earlier time the comic book so I think it's, it's called why the last man and i think i know the showrunner's eliza clark and she took pains to differentiate that there are men but there are no men with y chromosomes right. yeah. and it is and you know this affects men this affects uh trans women this affects intersex people it affects anyone with a y chromosome this thing that kills well, them all. Well, what's, what's even what's really interesting is the makers of this of this tv version of it address this idea head on so yes. there is a trans There's Man character, character yeah. Sam, played by Elliot Fletcher, and so is that. That's a really interesting element of the whole thing. I think mm. is yeah. that it kind of addresses full on, you know, the 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 gender issue, which is a massive hot topic at the moment among feminists, etc. And I'm not going to get into it now because that would be insanity. <laughs> but the, just the fact that they've they, they, they take it, they address it full on, I think is really fascinating. And I think it shows how um, uh, impressive this show is. And I have to say, the first episode, which depicts this world, which thrusts you straight into this world where half the population of the planet is fucking dead, yeah. meaning that Aeroplanes fall from the sky, um, helicopters, cars crash into each other. It's and it's set in New York, and it's a I don't know how much it costs to make, but it looks like a kind of hundred million dollar movie mm. yeah. opening episode, which then focuses on Betchnetz's character, who mysteriously has somehow survived. He happens to be the son of the woman played by Diane Lane, who ends up being the emergency new president. His sister, we meet as well. But basically, it kind of cleverly focuses on one family, yeah. really, mm. without you really initially realizing that until it make, it becomes increasingly clear. That's basically the premise. There's this mysterious agent called Agent 355, played by Ashley Romans, who's like an undercover, works for a mysterious government organisation that she has to be at the president's side at all time. Um, there's a really clever um, kind of like um, relationship between a man and a woman in the first episode that where where the woman kind of, where there's a kind of act of violence, shall we say. And that if you and I thought that was really clever because to have an act of violence in the middle of this world where half the people are dying yeah. and then no one notices this yeah. fact that this thing has happened is such a very interesting spin on it. I just thought technically... Um, and the way it's directed and written and acted, that first episode was stunning. I think yeah. it's one of the best first episodes I've seen in the series for a long, long time. It is fucking amazing. 
And then I like the fact that the series kind of focuses almost more West Wing style on the president, the new president, Diane Lazy president, and her advisors and her enemies, political enemies. There's a kind of right wing um, character yeah. who's like really into family values. Christ, and it's like yeah. that. And I thought that was really interesting. The fact that it's using this device, this premise, this wild premise, that all the Y chromosome things in the world have died to explore politics, left, right wing, um, American, particularly the American, uh, you know, debates over things like abortion and and um, women's rights, all of that I think is really interesting. It's much more relevant, topical, yeah. challenging than I ever expected it would be. And I really, I'm really, i really loving it so far. But the first episode is amazing. The second and third episode, there were confusing elements of the storytelling, I think, sometimes, and things aren't necessarily that clear, but maybe that's just the way it's going to be. But I'm still gripped and I'm still really interested in the whole thing. I, I like the, that it does get really... St- I wasn't expecting it to be this current. You're right. Yeah. There's a great um, line in the second episode where they're talking about somebody who was going to be a candidate and and uh, he's like, oh, didn't you bring like a gun to a spinning class or something? Yeah, right. Like It gets really, um, really on the nose with um, the two states system. I want to talk about the casting of this because uh, I was doing some reading on it and I looked at who the original cast were going to be because this became a real casualty of of COVID, I imagine, because the original cast for this, so it's Ben Schnetzer, as you say, great role for him. So he was in a couple of British films, Pride and Riot Club. I haven't kept up with his TV work. Um, And obviously Diane Lane, but it was supposed to be Barry Keoghan in the lead. It was, yeah. Uh, Imogen Poots, who got replaced by Olivia um, Thelby, and then Lashana Lynch, who was replaced by Ashley Romans, who we've got on the the podcast. But I, and that I think would have looked like such a different show. Because I feel like Barry Keoghan in the lead has got this real kind of scrappy laddie survival energy to him whereas uh, Ben Schnetzer has I mean he's supposed to be a bit soppy isn't he like throughout this the world's ended and all he wants is to find his girlfriend he's a um, hateful twat he's a hateful twat <laughs> like, no he he's is, not it, oh I hated him oh, <laughs> I hated him so he was a bell end without peer and but I'll get onto that sorry Beth carry on and his fucking monkey as well don't and his fucking monkey I was oh god um but yeah, I feel like it would have been a, a very different energy with that different lead. And obviously, Barry Kyoga went off simultaneously, I think, to the MCU and the DCEU. <laughs> like, he's in everything mm. coming up. But it would have looked like a vastly different show. But I think it, it works really well in that he is a really effective bellend. But I think the standout for me, Diane Lane is, is sensational in this. She's yeah. got a real, um, she's got such poise to her. And she gets to do some really great um leadership moments where she has to essentially you know talk people down off cliffs and and use her ability to empathize in a way which is really powerful but the standout performance for me was Ashley Romans who we mm. speak to on yeah. the the podcast here who um we meet in the most interesting way where she essentially double crosses someone in a way that nobody sees coming except everyone who's listened to this podcast now where I've just <laughs> said that she's double crossed someone but it's still super entertaining to watch and she has so she's known as agent 355 we don't know very much about her where she came from and conveniently her past is is kind of wiped out with this accident so she is essentially a blank slate not in the same way as your Friday Night Lights boy on the other show (laughs) but but she gets to do all this incredible um, 
emergency medical stuff. She does stuff with bombs. She's hugely athletic. She is essentially the voice of reason. She all but, you know, vocally slaps uh, Yorick down at multiple times God, when, he's, he when he's being such a baron. <laughs> uh, and she is fascinating. She has a really interesting part in this. So I think the casting is fantastic. I agree in terms of first episode. So it's essentially the build up until the event. We know it's happening, but they 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 really root us in it emotionally, um, in a way that makes the uh, the big event really you really feel it because you're yeah. invested less so in the male characters who are you know they're not disposable. But and I mean talk about a Bechdel show as well. This is this is as Bechdel as it well, really gets. Yeah. <laughs> um, violently Bechdel, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you're emotionally invested from from the women's standpoint. So when they lose these people, you really do feel it. Um, and I I'm going to keep watching it. I've watched three episodes so far, but the driving force for me is this is this newcomer Ashley Romans. I think she's absolutely brilliant in this. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm with you. I think this is great. And I think what this sort of hit home for me was how wildly middling the recent adaptation of The Stand was. Because it covers yeah. a similar sort of thing with, with oh, none God. of this weight and none of this power. Like, I struggled through that, but it was not good. Um, whereas this is really, really good. And it's completely uncompromising. I think, as you said, like it's it's full on. And it's just, I think what they hit, you know what's coming. You know what the setup is. You know all the men are going to die. But they, they seed that first episode with enough small male children that there's this real sense of, oh my God, is this going to ruin me? Like, is this episode going to destroy me and just there is a particular reveal of someone finding their male relatives dead that just tears you in half like they yeah. I mean they 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 make no allowances for like this is not a network TV show like they make no allowances for people's feelings sanity mental health <laughs> they just throw you in the deep end it's yeah. just like get on with it yeah um, I'm fascinated to see where it goes I think I liked everything about this the bit that I struggle with though as I alluded to was Ben Schnetzer's Yorick who I dislike with a fiery vengeance mm. and I know he is not supposed to be the most likable character. Like, of course, if there's one man going to survive, he's going to be a raging bellend. Like, absolutely fine. <laughs> but I, like, and in the comic, he's, you know, he's not necessarily got the best attributes. I think he goes through the part of this story is his arc, is his, his journey of growth from an incredibly sort of like self centered, self absorbed sort of man child to the last man on earth and having to wear that mantle and essentially grow up and become a fully rounded human being. And that is part of what this story will be. But God, he makes it difficult for me, at least in the early episodes, <laughs> to tolerate his presence on screen. I was like, if one male has to be alive, can it not just be the monkey? Just honestly. Um, <laughs> he is a wolf. Walking Smith song, isn't he? Yeah, he is I mean, he's. Mm, yeah. I didn't think he was that bad. Oh, <laughs> oh, fine, I mean, he, this show passes the Bell End test, but only because only one Bell End is left alive. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, Why the last Bell End? <laughs> Indeed, that's what they should have called it. That's what they should have called it. But yeah, it's a very good show. In fact, it's a great week for television, quite frankly. It is. Yeah, so, it is. We've done very well. Incredible um, week. Why the Last Man, of course, lands on Star on Disney+. Plus. The first three episodes land on Star on Disney+, Plus exclusively, on the 22nd of September. And then you will get one a week thereafter. Until the end of the show! <laughs> as is their want. Um, there's other stuff out this week, isn't there, Boydie? Manhunt 2, The Night Stalker. This is the Martin Clunes um, sequel to the very, very popular Manhunt in which he plays real life um, Chief Inspector Colin Sutton, this time inspecting the famous Night Stalker case. That runs Monday to Thursday a week on ITV. is isn't a huge big deal, but we aren't reviewing it because it's been an, it is an amazing week, to be fair. It is a good week. It is an amazing yeah. week. Um, there is Mr. Mayor's a new um, sitcom with Ted Danson, yep. in which he plays the new mayor of LA. That's arrives on Friday on Skycom 
comedy. The last series of D- Dear White People arrives on Netflix on Wednesday, the last ever season. I really like that show, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit sad that it's ending. Star Wars Visions. Yes, Star Wars Visions lands on, on Disney+. Plus, Which I think we wisely decided not to review because we are idiots about it was, animation. It's the anime, Star Wars anime. It although is. I'm going to try and oh, watch it for next week. Okay. Uh, for my sins. We'll see how that goes. Real people will be excited about the return of RuPaul's Drag Race UK on Thursday yeah. on BBC yeah. Three. <laughs> Foundation, lest we forget, oh, lands yeah. on the 24th of September. Not in trailer form, but the series itself. Oh, very, very exciting. Yeah. We'll be talking about that along with Lee Pace next uh, week. Bake Off is back on oh, Tuesday. Christ. <laughs> it's uh, a huge phenomenon. Never mind the Buscocks re- return. Buscocks, yes. nice. It's huge with Daisy May Cooper as Daisy a team May captain. Daisy May Cooper, the Come queen on. of the West Have you seen Departure? Departure season one with Christopher Blummer, Archie Punjabi. That lands on Five Star. Do you know this one? I, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. No, I yeah. haven't seen it, but it lands on Five Star. What the yes. fuck is a Five Star? Five Star is another channel. <laughs> okay. Shoot, the fact that it's an offshoot of Channel 5 and it's not being shown on Channel 5 might say something. I don't know. I can possibly comment. Fine. Anyway, Duke Grace Scott's in there as well, and it is a brand new conspiracy thriller. Yes. So there you go. There you go. Uh, and that, broadly speaking, is it. But there is a lot of TV out this week. Uh, stick with those main three shows. What's our pick of the week? What would you pick of those three? Oh, oh my God, man. people. <sighs> I mean, it's the morning show, but. Midnight Mass is brilliant, so I really like <laughs> Why the Last Bellend as well? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do Why the Last Man, you know. I might well, do Midnight okay. Mass, so that's Ooh, that's a, that's that's a triple threat. Fantastic. Like, so what we're saying is watch all three of those. Yes. yes. Um, right, right. Well, that is it for this week's Pilot TV podcast. Uh, if you're in the star giving mood, then please do leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice, and why not chuck us a follow as well on social media at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. On next week's show, as I have mentioned, we will finally get to talk about the epic magnificence of Foundation beyond its trailer, uh, and one of the very best things in that show, Mr. Lee Pace, will be joining us to review what it's like to play an eternal clone of himself over the course of a thousand years. We've all been there. Until then, pilot out. Pilot out.